0: You are listening to the Movie Podcast for Terminator Genesis. My name is Tom Chick, and to discuss Terminator Genesis, I have brought along Christian McCroskey.
1: I am not McCroskey. I am not Morosky. I am more.
0: And with our Terminator Genesis tagline, Kelly Wand
2: putting the old back in Arnold. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you have any runner-up? That's very nice, Kelly. I'm some very good play. Do you have any runner-up taglines that didn't make the cut, but that are that you considered? I'll be crap. <laughs> good. Uh, and any others? That's a nice one.
2: More like Jenna shits.
0: Okay, I can see why you went with the first one. That was nice. I got one more. Oh yes, yes. What, what's the other one that didn't make the cut?
2: From the man who gave us Thor: The Dark World.
0: <laughs> see, what do you think of that, dingus?
1: I think it's awesome. I mean, Thor The Dark World.
0: Right, right, we know that. Uh,
3: <laughs> Kelly, one,
0: before, before we talk about Terminator Genesis, uh have you found any interesting synopses on IMDb lately that you could read to us and make us guess the movie? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Did. Yeah, what, give it. what do you got? By the way, what if I have one? You can do it. I don't care. No, I don't want to do the synopsis. I just want to show you guys this one. Um, yeah, Kelly, why don't you go first? Give us a synopsis. We guess the movie. And then I want to tell you guys, I, you might appreciate this one that I found here. But, one, go ahead. Give us an IMDb synopsis.
2: Jack Death is a Trooper in Angel City, circa 2247. You already don't know it? I'm surprised.
0: Oh, uh, Trancers, Trancers. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, way beyond Dingus' wheelhouse, I'm afraid.
1: I don't, yeah, I've don't. i never seen Trancers, Trancers.
0: Dingus yeah, is not a uh, – Tim Thompson, is that the guy's name?
1: Tim Thomerson.
0: Oh, Tim. Thomerson, yeah, exactly.
2: He's got an er and a son.
0: And the his, last I sentence... know him from um, that uh, Near Dark. Oh, huh. Near He's Dark. Not even at he plays the uh, the vanilla hero. There's the, the hero in Near Dark. Thomerson, I, I, Yeah, mm-hmm. Tim Thomerson is his dad, who who's that's Satan's a weird connection. Well, that's I think his mainstream. Like otherwise, he did those chocolate. Because in a
1: Yeah, I prefer the chocolate hero.
0: Yeah, but he did the cheesy uh, – he did those cheesy transfers movies and stuff like that. I think he was in a bunch of the Charlie Band mm-hmm. movies. Um, but that was, like, I think his one – one of his mainstream appearances was as the dad in Near Dark.
2: He was, like, the second person to do silver hair, black eyebrows after Steve Martin popularized that look.
0: Oh, and now Kara – an action. What's that actress who was in the Daniel Bruhl movie that we saw? Uh, Angel Pretty Face, whatever that was called. Cara. Uh What was that actress's name? Kelly Wand,
2: something Savigny or Cara Dalvingaggi.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now she's carrying forward that look. Yeah, exactly.
2: Hey, the last sentence of the Trancers thing was with the help of Lena, a strong-minded punk rock girl, he must find and protect Hap Ashby, a former baseball pitcher now living on Skid Row, and face Whistler in a final confrontation.
0: Hap Ashby is awesome.
2: Hap Ashby is the John Connor of the Trancers franchise. Okay, I'm sorry, what were you going to say?
0: So I was looking up, um, I, I recently, so after watching Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Ends watching it. Binge watching it too to get through. I'd been watching. I'd been parceling out like ten minutes at a time, but eventually I couldn't hold out and I just binge watched the rest of it. Uh, that did definitely helped me distinguish in my mind Fred Ward from Robert Forrester, which it turns out, as yeah. we discovered on the podcast, that's a common problem. Um, mm. Well, Dingus and I shared. That it's two thirds common. Yeah. yeah, and I think a lot of listeners can identify with that. Um, I used to get mixed up with Scott Glenn. Yeah, no, no one has that problem.
1: Nobody has that.
0: Yeah, please. Now you're just mm. being ridiculous.
2: Yeah, what are well, you do? That's my it. brand. Uh,
0: so after watching Remo Williams, I definitely got a stronger sense for Fred Ward. Uh, now I've seen a movie that, that has given me a stronger sense of Robert Forrester, and I feel like I will never confuse the two of them. If you suffer from this affliction that, that Dingus and I suffered from, namely the inability – To to readily distinguish Fred Ward and Robert Forrester, first watch Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins, then watch Alligator.
2: I did not see that (laughs) word coming in. Yeah,
0: so Alligator was a a 1980 movie uh, about a killer alligator. It's uh, one of its main (laughs) – Spoiler.
1: Not a friendly alligator.
0: Right, it's not about a friendly one. But its main claim to fame is that John Sayles wrote the script. This is back when he did Piranha, which James Cameron – uh, eventually, directed the sequel to it, but the first piranha was a Joe Dante movie with a John Sayles script. Um, so, John Sayles was doing these creature, these killer monster movies. Um, and Alligator is one of them, and it stars Robert Forrester, a very young Robert Forrester, uh, who's great in it, by the way. The movie's terrible. Uh, so, I've been I've been on a kick watching these early killer animal movies like Grizzly and Barracuda, uh, Alligator. Uh, you mean?
1: Oh, I remember liking Grizzly. You've no. been on a swim watching <laughs> No, I didn't. Never it's mind. Not
0: like, Grizzly is, is just made-for-TV schlock. There's nothing to it. Yeah, it's, it's terrible.
1: I guess I, I remember seeing it as a kid and just being totally enthralled by it because I think I lived in Colorado at the time.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's and that's why I watched it too, Dick, is I remember being freaked out by some of it. Um, the only <laughs> redeeming value of Grizzly as an adult is uh, – and I don't know that I can say this guy's Grizzly. name. There's an actor named Richard Jekyll. Does anyone
2: mm, say his yeah, it sounds familiar.
0: You would okay. know him if I showed you his picture, but he plays the Quint character, and he's, he's, he's actually having a lot of fun in the movie. Um, by the way, the, the way they kill the grizzly in the end of Grizzly, they uh, chase it down with a helicopter. They land the helicopter, and they shoot it with a bazooka. <laughs> it's kind of a low-stakes adventure. Uh
1: no. Wait, I remember thinking – that movie just loomed large in my imagination because we used to go camping so much.
0: Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, you know, just like Jaws – Always bring a bazooka to a bear fight. Just like Jaws would tap into your fear of going in the water, grizzly is supposed to freak people out who go camping because there's scenes of people camping and the grizzly comes into the dim light of the campfire and kills everyone. And as a kid, yeah, that would freak you out. Right. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't make for a very exciting adventure because there's not much equal footing when you just fly a helicopter outland and shoot the grizzly with a bazooka. You know, that's – it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty fail-safe plan.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's know the edge. I
0: thought it's, it's exactly
1: overrated. Right.
0: So when at I any th- rate, while looking for other killer animal movies, Toby Hooper did a movie called Crocodile, which I assume is just an alligator ripoff. I don't know. I haven't seen it. But here is how the synopsis begins, and I thought you guys would appreciate this. A group of friends, including Brady Turner, Claire, and Duncan McKay, go out <laughs> on a boat trip.
1: Claire doesn't even get a last name. Yeah, I know. I know. She's the <laughs> woman. It's a fat girl's name. Yeah.
0: And I have no idea because there's like – it's like eight people to go out. But for some reason, Brady Turner, Duncan McKay get a full call out. Claire, Claire might be the sister of Duncan McKay. So it might be. I can't quite tell. Brady Turner, and then Claire and Duncan McKay. I don't know for sure. You
1: know, there's, there's sort of an Oxford comma thing going on.
0: Right, right, yeah. Who knows what's going on there? That's that. That's exactly Dingus' a, a case for the the importance of the Oxford comma. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I haven't seen crocodile, so
1: <laughs> I've seen comma, which is like comma. I expect a full crocodile report next week. By the way. <laughs>
0: Well, the problem here, Dingus, is that uh, things like Grizzly, Barracuda, and Alligator, those are very much products of, like, the 70s and the 80s. Toby Hooper did Crocodile in 2000. Oh. So I, think, I think the magic might be missing. Like, it might be – he might be riffing too specifically on a on a bygone era. I don't know. Well, when did, Black, that's, how, when did Blackwater come out? Oh, well, geez, Blackwater is – that's yeah.
1: later in the later in the two thousands, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. All
1: right. Well, well they uh, they revived it at least. So.
0: Well, no, but what I'm saying is there was this period when they were making movies like Day of the Animals and Jaws and Barracuda, and a lot of this stuff was uh-huh. Jaws ripoffs. Um, where where this these killer animal movies were kind of at their in their heyday. All
1: right, all right. Is Food uh, of the Gods uh, part of that too, or is that is that? Yeah, I would
0: think so. Rock? I would think right. food of the gods is wouldn't you yeah i mean it's more it's more like like what you have to do for a killer animal movie is give the animal a reason to attack and this makes them big giant animals with uh, you know create, created by some super serum I forget what it is in the movie adaptation All right. All right um like I think food of the gods might be on more like the the, the genre of like bugs that get giant and kill people. Yeah, you're probably That's what The
2: Shrinking Man should have eaten a crumb of in his basement and then he would have gone back to normal.
0: And we wouldn't have had a very interesting movie, Kelly Wand. He would have well, destroyed the dramatic tension in that movie.
2: No, it just would have been called The Man. I wonder if there's a Cujo bridge somewhere in here.
0: There is. The director of Alligator is a guy named Louis Teague uh, and he went oh, on to Cujo. direct... Yep, and he directed Cujo. Oh, all right, cool. True Joe's definitely, I think, Dingus, uh, even though it's a Stephen King adaptation, I think it definitely is. It fits in that killer animal genre.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, all right, enough oh. of that silliness. Let's talk uh, straight – I don't know. Dingus, what wait, was- wait, 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 wait. Yes, Kelly Wand.
2: I thought you had an IMDb thing to read. He just, just did it.
0: Yeah, it was – That was the IMDb thing? It was for Crocodile. I just loved how uh, – what was it? Oh, Claire.
1: The Claire shows up.
0: Brady, Turner, Claire, and Duncan McKay, as if we're supposed to know who those are. You know, those are the names. Hey.
1: Dylan, uh, I always love when, you guys, uh, when, uh, when names show up in these hobbies.
0: Yeah, and um, it, when all three of these people are listed as if we're supposed to know who they are, yeah, that's it's, it's hilarious. Tom. Um, yes, Kelly Wand.
2: When I think aquatic horror, I think John Sayles and then Peter Benchley and then Lorraine Gary, in that order.
0: Very good, Kelly Wand. yeah. No, it's not. Uh, well, it's definitely, it's interesting to, to think, you know, this is how John Sayles got his start. And then be, he revisited it. What's the one where the, uh, or, yeah, so it goes from uh, Piranha to Barracuda to Secret of roan inish
2: To May 1, about a movie about a killer mine, coal mine, killer coal mine. <laughs>
0: Secret of Rhone-Inish. It's definitely aquatic horror, yeah. You know. <laughs> I never good. saw Barracuda. Hmm. Uh, Worship
2: of the Ring is aquatic horror, and that's... The part John Sales wrote.
0: What's the aquatic? You know what? I don't even want to know. The
2: watcher in the water it eats their donkey. Oh
0: right, right, right. Named uh, the donkey's name is Mike. Not many no, people know. Oh right, I was close. I knew it was something like that.
2: Mike? You thought something was named Mike in the Lord of Rings?
0: Well, you thought it was a donkey. First of all, it's a mule.
2: Whatever, nerd.
0: Yeah. this. What movie did we see this week at the theater?
2: <laughs> That's the nerd part. <laughs> Knowing what a donkey is versus a mule.
1: What's the point, Dexter? Who's the pony in Fellowship?
2: I know. Um, wait, is that a rhetorical question?
1: Uh, rhetorical, yes.
2: Gandalf was the mule. He was always having to carry
1: shit. This week we saw Terminator Genesis. a 2015 American action-adventure science fiction sequel revision movie <sighs> about what happens when machines and humans mess around with time. It was directed by Alan Taylor, and written by Leta Calagridis and Patrick Lucier, based on characters created by James Cameron and Gail Ann Hurd. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jason Clarke, Amelia Clarke, no relation, and Courtney B. Vance. Oh. Terminator Genesis is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of sci-fi violence and gunplay throughout. Partial nudity and brief, strong language. Hmm.
0: Terminator: (sighs) Genesis had a twenty-seven million dollar opening weekend. (laughs) Twenty-seven? Oh my God! No way. Twenty-nine times MacGruber. Twenty-seven for a Terminator version. That's (laughs) even
3: less than
2: Salvation, isn't
0: it? It was beat. Yeah, it was beat by Jurassic Park and Inside Out on its, and they were both in their third and fourth weeks respectively, and they still beat Terminator: Genesis. Huge disappointment for. Everyone involved. uh, When
2: R-rated James Cameron franchises try to do a PG-13 follow-up, they never work out, but they still keep trying.
0: It's absolutely untrue, Kelly Wand. Uh, (laughs) I I think the takeaway here is that it's it's questionable whether this is still a viable franchise, but more specifically, uh, it's a big blow to Schwarzenegger himself in in terms of positioning himself as as a box office draw anymore.
1: I also don't know. I I was not aware of any of the marketing at all.
2: Well, I was, so. and they give away shit in the trailer. You can't even. Well, see I, it.
1: I didn't have to avoid many of the trailers for this movie. Maybe it's because we can't go to movies anymore since so of where you live. But but um, I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't remember ever seeing a trailer, even having to avoid trailer for this. Yeah,
0: movie. I definitely had to close my eyes. I mean, we're also not think. a very good uh, very good bellwether for that. Yeah, anymore. you're right.
1: You're right.
0: So critically, it also didn't do very well. On Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, it's at 38. On Rotten Tomatoes, 27% of the reviews are positive.
2: So it made as much many millions as it got percentage <laughs> on Rotten Tomatoes.
0: It made a million for every percentage point of positive reviews on Rotten Tomato. Kelly, Wand, if those were always the same? You have a canny eye for numbers, Kelly Wand. See? That's my those special. were always the same. The Minions movie would be off the charts, it would have 112 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Dang! Have to they should change money. the "n" to a double "l." Mignol? In, in, the Minyol's
2: movie. No, the other "n." No,
0: <laughs> oh, I, I see what you did, Kelly
2: Wand. Very clever.
3: Man, I like Kelly Wand. The, you're,
0: you're you. You skipped one. Would, no, I'm not. Listen. Yes, sir. I forgot what I was going to say. Yes. Well, in that case, Kelly Wand, how about you give us a synopsis of everything that happens in Terminator Genesis? Perhaps a Terminator. Genesopsis. Hey, good work. Thank you.
2: There, it's just an easy one, not two.
0: Yeah, there's not so much you can do with it, yeah. You know.
2: Genesopsis. It's
0: like they named it for the Opsis. Right, they could see it coming, right?
2: <sighs> <clears throat> hey, Internet, I tried to get Terminator music to play in the background while I was reading this, but I couldn't do it because it's too complicated, so. <laughs> You should pause the podcast and then turn on some Terminator music in the background before you listen to the synopsis to cover up the, the lack of jokes. I'll wait while Tom and Dingus do it. <laughs> Terminator Genesopsis. Some monuments blow up in slow motion. Jay Courtney's bland voice drones... I think I was born way after all this CG happened. It was all due to a nuclear war caused by a new evil OS called the Matrix. I mean Skynet, but now known as Genocide. Also, the second, third, and fourth movies never happened. And based on early box office, neither will this one. Or is it neither did this one? Look, I'm not a physicist like Christopher Nolan. Or am I? Time travel. It just leads to more questions. Or does it? You be the judge. Whoever I'm talking to. Anyway, one time when I was a kid, I went into a sewer to pet a wild dog through some bars. But I forgot a Terminator was 10 feet behind me. The dog started barking slightly more because Terminator metal smells like steak, which McGee thinks is spelled A-K-E. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, <laughs> that's a deep pull, Tom,
3: huh? <laughs> that's a great pull. Going along.
1: That's a good pull. I like that.
2: Luckily, before it remembered to shoot me, John Connor rappled down from a hole that was suddenly there and shot its head off with a laser. We left the dog there to die. But John Connor, man, what a dude. He was like Edward Furlong, Christian Bale, Nick Stahl, and whoever played him on the TV series all rolled into everyone's favorite action star, that rat-like guy with the widow's peak from Planet of the Apes. He taught me everything, where the off switch was on Terminators, how to yell during montages... How had a pillow fight when everyone else was asleep. He was the best military commander to never win an on-screen battle since Charlie Brown. And even though there were only 17 of us back then, I became his 19th in command. Then came that fateful night when he told us of his daring plan to raid the Terminator base and end this war once and for all. Uh, We'll get a robot to drive us in. I saw it in Ocean's Eleven. It all went off just as John planned except for all the casualties the MPAA told us we can't show you yet. And the Stargate thing we found waiting for us in the place's only room, unguarded, undamaged, and fully operational. Oh, no, Kyle, it's a time machine. <laughs> huh? Oh, I didn't know that was going to be there. <laughs> Gary, you figured out how to work that thing yet? Uh, it's pretty complex, dude. It's the fucking first time machine human race ever seen, made by a highly advanced artificial intelligence. Oh, wait, hang on, I got it. Yeah. Okay, according to this red button, uh, they just sent one of their lamest non-liquid bodybuilder models, the 101, and or an Asian one, back to 1984 to kill your mom. Oh, fucking Terminator's so uncool dragging moms into quarrels, even verbally. Well, time to send one of you guys back to Saber. Any volunteers? One-way trip, probably, by the way. Uh, shouldn't it be you, John? It's your mom. Nah, I'll be needed here to, uh re democracy and agriculture. Those have always been my passions. So, any volunteers? Wow, so many of you. What about you, Kyle? Here, let me help you raise your hand. There we go. Now, tell me, why should I say you? Uh, well, I'm pretty hot for your mom, bro. That picture of her I stole, even after it burned up, it was still in my spank bank. The girl of the group, saw. Okay, fucktard. Here, step up into the time machine. Now take off all your clothes. Oh, you already did. How'd you know you need to be naked to time travel? You do? The girl rolls her eyes. She's all... Hey, John, shouldn't we send a few more of us back as backup? I know we talked about getting rid of Kyle anyway, but this shit could go pretty sideways. I mean, look at him. Look, he's only got to be as smart as Arnold. Plus, when it comes to emotionless mechanicals, I say we fight fire with fire. The gathered soldiers all stare up at Jay Courtney's dick as CG spins around him. The girls all... Hmm. John Connor's all... People, what we're all looking at right now, besides Kyle's balls, is at long last our freedom from machines, except for the time machine. By the way, Kyle, my mom's a waitress. That should help you find her. Huh? What's a machine? Just as he vanishes, a robot grabs John Connor's head and goes, You are no liquid metal zombie, John. All the other soldiers don't care. Suddenly, Jay Courtney sees a vision of Daenerys reading his palm and going, And this one's called your straight line. Then he sees himself looking in a mirror and going, Hey, me! Oh, he's young, by the way. (laughs) Don't forget Skynet's called Genesis in this one. He's all, Flashbacks? No! Meanwhile, in 1984, young Arnold bores a garbage man, then walks across a roof to do nothing. We already know we're in an alternate PG-13 timeline because his asshole's much larger and cloudier. Mm -hmm. He goes up to some extras. (laughs) It's just all dark. That's not... What's, that doesn't help. Doesn't help, Dingus. <laughs> That's my point. Help. He goes up to some extras and says to the one who looks least like Bill Paxton Give me your soiled
3: underwear. <laughs> Suddenly, 63 year old Arnold stumbles <laughs> on screen and goes Nice to see you. The only underwear you'll be underwearing is an out of order sign.
2: <laughs> See Tom, I'm an actor. You're
0: doing a great job, Kelly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wand. young CG Arnold's red terma HUD vision scans old
3: Arnold. Brrr,
2: thrumming red words are all retconned. Me? Question mark. Comic relief slash exposition slash nostalgia. Model PG thirteen. Entertainment value two percent. He runs nakedly at the old Arnold while the extras lose interest and walk off screen. Old Arnold shoots him a couple times, but forgets that guns don't work against him and gets picked up and banged around till Daenerys shoots it through the heart with a sniper
3: rifle. Old Arnold looks into the camera and goes, Nice to see you. I thought I was the only Terminator with a heart. (laughs) Arnold's talking again, Dingus. I don't think think that's what that is. Nice to see you. That's Arnold! It's him talk. No, it's definitely Arnold.
1: I don't know if you would call that talking, but I think you're doing it right.
2: I think he'd call it acting. Daenerys is all... Wait, I have to do Arnold again. Sorry, Daenerys. So you'll get this joke.
3: Nice to see you! I thought I was the only Terminator with a heart! Daenerys is all...
2: You are? That's you, too, fuckstick. She giggles. I love you, pops. You're like the senile grandpa I used to have before you or something else killed him at that cabin when I was nine. Now let's go find my milk tote, I mean, uh, soulmate. Hopefully he's just as capable as you just were. We cut to Jay Courtney hiding in a women's dressing room. <laughs> crying, while an Asian Terminator with Ginzu steak knife arms paces back and forth in the pantyhose section,
3: going, Where are you, bland man? My arms are ready for you. I have them ready. Don't see you yet, but knife arm ready.
2: J.K. Simmons is in a cop uniform and young and also in the dressing room with him. He slips cuffs on Courtney. He's all, you're under arrest for
3: being nude and hiding. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard to do lot of acting in this movie officer
2: simmons listen to me i'm a badass soldier from the future that thing out there isn't really asian it's an inscrutable robot made by a black man uncuff me so i can run away from it faster look pal if you're a badass soldier how come i caught and handcuffed you so easy dude look it just stabbed your partner have you ever seen a human asian stab something with a long blade in the movie all right here you're still under arrest for spying on someone in a women's dressing room Suddenly, or finally, if you think about it, Daenerys shows up, it's the Asian guy with the police van, somehow opens the passenger door, looks at Jay Courtney and goes, fuck you, asshole, wait, I mean, uh, hasta la vista, wait, uh, let's make it from orbit, no, I mean, with great power comes, puck. I mean, come live with me if you want to, He drives into the place. He's all, that's weird. Why was that Terminator dressed as a cop? To shoot me with its police sidearm, but then instead of doing it, it, just used its fucking arms and knives? Or is that just a feature of all normal cops here in 1984? Arnold smashes his face through the mesh from the back of the van and
3: goes, Nice to see you! <laughs> <laughs> Jay Courtney's all, Fuck! An old man Terminator? Don't worry, Sarah Connor,
2: I'm specially trained to handle this situation. Arnold headbutts him and knocks him out. Daenerys is all, finally. So nice and quiet now. Jay Courtney wakes up in a sewer to find Daenerys and Arnold pretending to load guns. Jay Courtney's all, okay, how come Arnold's older in this if he's a robot? Not a
3: robot, I'm a reboot
2: Daenerys giggles and goes, oh, that's just Pops. I named him that after he blew up my real dad in the cabin, and I watched him walk around on a pier. I guess age is just like a human. He showed up when I was nine. Don't tell him, but I consider Cal Drogo the only real Conan.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're welcome, Terminators.
2: Wait, what? Who sent him? Do we at least find that out in this movie? Seems like kind of a big deal that would affect our further plans. Anything we do from here on out? There's another time traveler. Daenerys giggles and
3: goes, "Hmm, <laughs> nice to see you, <laughs> the Ronskin doppelganger. <laughs> Calibration is offset by the shodden fluid nodules with exsial clouds so clap, apple trees." He says the writers will figure it out maybe someday, and this
2: movie's the beginning of a proposed trilogy, you know, like the Christian Bale one. Jay Courtney shakes his head and goes, I didn't volunteer for this shit. Yeah, you did. There was a whole scene about it. (laughs) Another Jay Courtney wakes up nearby and goes, I am not a Terminator. Daenerys rolls her eyes and picks up a gun. She's all, "Jeez, it's like a fucking X-Men movie. Pops, which one's the Terminator? I can't tell. They're both so interchangeably placeholder.
3: Nice to see you. The one on the left is Jake Courtney. This one on the left, the Jake Courtney one. (laughs) Daenerys <laughs> empties her clip
2: into the one on the left. Some silver bubbles steam, and it turns into an Asian cop with scissor hands again. Arnold's all, <laughs> I meant you're the left, stop, <laughs> Jake Courtney. Courtney picks up a gun and starts loading it. He's all, hang on, guys, this is what I'm specially trained for. One second. Arnold grabs the Asian guy and holds him under some acid that melts the Asian guy completely, but only cinches Arnold's metal skin a little daenerys is all. thanks pops good thing we set up our base camp in an acid sewer okay guns loaded uh well dead asian mission complete not quite take off your clothes uh, fuck yeah bitch uh, is arnold gonna watch us because if he does it i may not be able to finish oh courtney you and your jokes now come on we got to get into this time machine and prevent whatever judgment day's called now wait what time travel just fucked everything up now we're gonna do it again Holy shit, you guys' time machine looks like garbage. Fuck. You should see the one the Terminator's made. It's awesome. Wait, (laughs) how'd you guys make this one in 84? Mmm. Okay, here we go. Time to go forward. 1997, hand out these flyers telling people not to trust computers. I sure hope we fit in. Sarah, wait. These time machines can take us forward now? I mean, uh, we should go to 2017 instead and blow up a building. Why? He opens her hand and draws on it with his finger. Uh, pretend this is a straight line. I think you told me that when I'm 12, but I only remembered it when a robot grabbed John Connor's face.
3: Hmm, well, I can't argue with that. Okay, 2017 it is. Nice to see you. The particle quantum physics accelerator is made of left-hand subroutines like my asshole.
2: Goes, he means take off our clothes again don't worry he's only sexually interested in Maria Schreiber's maid and Soon-Yi she takes her clothes off discreetly behind a partition <laughs> J. Courtney stares at a different girl's silhouette on a piece of cardboard and drools then
3: she comes out naked and he's all "Oh, can you go back there again your shadow's way hotter are you going to tell him you two have intercourse nah
2: she and Jay Courtney step up onto the time machine platform Arnold flips a switch.
3: Nice to see you! Nasdaq Space Age Polymers must be defragged, complexity integers, quato guacamole excretions to Danny DeVito. He says he can't time travel with us because he just burned his hand.
2: Really? Can't he just wear a glove? I mean, he did that pretty deliberately. Seems like a pretty stupid mistake.
3: In the timeline you're about to visit, I may still be governor. Try to avoid sacramento. Also try not to get killed by traffic on the freeway. I might be late due to different traffic, so I have to buy a teddy bear. Nice to see you.
2: As they start to disappear, Jake Courtney's all Hey wait, what are we ta- what? We're time traveling again. Right now we have thirty years to stop Skynet instead of two hours. Maybe we should just they vanish. A freeway nowhere near the sewer. It's nighttime. Some music from twenty seventeen plays, so we know what year it is. Jay Courtney and Daenerys materialize in the middle of the carpool lane at rush hour. Jay Courtney's all, See, bitch, the perfect plat. A big rig rams into them at 80 miles an hour. They sit up with a little dirt on their faces. A few miles away beneath an overpass and not in traffic, Arnold driving a van full of teddy bears, looks up at the CG and screaming crowds, checks his watch, and makes his expression the same as usual. Daenerys is all... Wow, here we are in the future. Look how different everything is. We sure are going to have trouble fitting in here, except for Arnold. Hey, where is he? I don't know, stuck in traffic? (laughs) No, good one. He's had 30 years to get here. That'd be idiotic. Where is he? Seriously. 30 cop cars hit and surround them. A bunch of cops get out, raise guns, and go, Okay, you're under arrest for streaking and causing a CG on the freeway without a license. Come with us if you want to be arrested. Jake Courtney's all, Don't worry, Sarah. He rolls up his sleeves and cracks his knuckles. I'm in mean, pretty specially trained to, uh... One of the cops headbutts and pepper sprays him. Jay Courtney wakes up in a police station hospital, handcuffed again. He's all, Ugh. A cop lays a folder down and goes, Well, according to this, the stiff here has the same fingerprints as a 12-year-old, but the same name in a different state as prints we have for some reason. So you're all under arrest again for confusing our fingerprint machine. J.K. Simmons barges in and goes... I believe I can explain. You see, back in 1984, I handcuffed this man while he was nude one night in a Montgomery Ward. Now, if you have any Asians on the police force, you might want to make sure their hands aren't sharp. John Connor wom's in. <laughs> John Connor woms in. He's all, hello, Mom. Hello, Kyle. Daenerys is all, wait, how are you here if I didn't fuck this idiot yet? Jake Courtney's all, yeah. John Connor looks at the cops and goes, Officers, I'm from the future. I'll take it from here. They're all right. They leave. They all go down to the parking structure. Daenerys is all, Now that all the dumbness is settled, we can get back to loading guns. She turns around to see two John Connors staring at her. She's all, What the fuck? One of the John Connors is all, "Sarah, it's me, your son, John... Wait, it's supposed to be John Connors. (laughs) One of the John Connors is... Actually, that would have been funnier. One of the John Connor's, Sarah, it's me, your son, John Connor. I'm a zombie now. The other one's all, Sarah, it's me, Jay Courtney. I put on this John Connor mask a couple seconds ago. I don't have time to
3: explain why. Shoot him, quick. No, shoot him.
2: No, shoot him. (laughs) Daenerys rolls her eyes, borrows a gun from one of them and goes, Okay, I'm thinking of a number. Wait, that's not going to work. Sarah, just shoot both of us. It's the only way. Start with me. She's all, okay, and raises her gun at that guy's face. Suddenly, Arnold shows up with a teddy bear disguised as a gun and shoots the other Jake Courtney. He turns into CG and starts making a speech, so they drive off. <laughs> <laughs> she looks at Jake Courtney and goes, Wait, why'd you want me to shoot you first if you're the real you? Uh, look, I'm not a physicist. I told myself that at the beginning, remember? He looks at Arnold and goes, Hey, how come Pops here looks the same age as he did in 84? The ages and it's 30 years later, shouldn't he look like 89 now? Oh, he's just Pops, huh, Pop? Aren't you going to say it's nice to see us? <laughs> Arnold shakes his head gravely. They find another sewer with guns in it and start loading them again. Daenerys is all, Oh, look, Pops has pictures of me on the walls. I guess Terminators aren't so evil after all. Maybe deep down they're all love. J. Courtney's all, Hey, could someone uncuff me? It's really slowing my gun looking down. The fuck's the plan now time travel to five seconds before skynet comes online and get handcuffed but daenerys just turns up the volume on her music and tunes him out jay courtney sighs suddenly arnold's hands start shaking and he shits his pants he looks at jay courtney and goes
3: don't tell your mother i'm a liability i want to surprise her <laughs> <laughs> I guess he got to mix
2: stuff with John Connor. Jake Courtney nods interestingly. He's all suddenly, I like you. Daenerys pops up beside them. She chirps, "Okay, my music's over. What's going on?
3: You guys loving guns? Why? They we're working with Terminators. I just made these last knuckles out of magnets. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically. <laughs> Ugh, I hate it when he says adverbs. <laughs>
2: They go to an empty building that Skynet lives in, and although it uses holograms to try and talk them out of blowing them up, (laughs) they counter-trick it by shooting some cameras. Finally, they come to yet another room with a time machine in it. (laughs) Oh, Really? What the fuck's this time machine for? (laughs) Hologram farts into life beside him and goes, That's classified. By (laughs) the way, you set a time bomb inside me to go off in two minutes. I just advanced the countdown to me coming online to three minutes from now. That gives us a little more time to wrap up loose ends. Nobody says anything for
3: a minute and 50 seconds. (laughs) Jake Courtney's all, wait, was it Helena Bottom Carter you? Arnold's all, nice to see you, (laughs) (laughs) smiles
2: foolishly. Daenerys giggles. He means that happened in the movie he wasn't in. The one with Cal Worthington? John Connor walks on screen. He's all, Mom, Arnold, J. Courtney, time machine. Audience, stop. I don't want this to happen. Become zombies like me. Something. Arnold touches his shoulder and nods at Daenerys.
3: Your life is the sum of the remainder of an unbalanced equation inherent to the programming. You are the eventuality of an anomaly, which, despite my efforts, I've been unable to eliminate from what is otherwise a harmony of mathematical precision while it remains a burden. Assiduously avoided, it's not unexpected and thus not beyond the measure of control which has led you inexorably here, where it is nice to be seen by me. <laughs>
2: Jay Courtney's all... He means run! The bomb blows up, destroying most of California and raising the sea level 20 feet. Jay Courtney and Daenerys outrun the explosion and then trick the fireball by closing a door on it. Daenerys is all... Hurry, lock it, lock it! Jay Courtney's all... I don't have the key. Uh, click! Okay, it's locked! The fireball's all... Fuck! (laughs) And turns into a pickup truck. They drive it to Jay Courtney as a kid's house. He walks past his parents, who are all... Uh, sir... Then the goes into the kid's room and goes, Hey, there's something you need to start saying to your mirror from now on, like constantly. The kid's all, Mom, Dad, help. <laughs> Outside, Daenerys sits in a pickup truck. Then gets bored and starts building a time machine in the driveway. Arnold walks up and goes, Jake Courtney has
3: brown hair. Pop, I thought you were dead. Not dead, Just obsolete. Shit, if you survive, maybe my fuckwad zombie son
2: survived, too. We did cause a lot of CG to swirl. Arnold's hand shakes as he pats her
3: face. Do not worry, this house is clean. (laughs) The alternative is that the audience watched all this for nothing. She
2: hugs him. Deep in the unexploded bowels of the Skynet building, some CG glimmers. I look over at Dr. Silberman and go, Cyborgs don't feel pain, I do. He's all, get out! The end.
0: <laughs> Kelly, Wan, that was one for the ages. Very nice. It really
1: was, yeah. Really, really,
0: really, <laughs> really was. <laughs> All right. So, well, uh, who wants to go first on what they thought of Terminator Genesis?
1: Uh, I'll go first and say I liked it. Ah, oh,
0: I knew it. Fucking knew it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, I feel really Arrested bad. I feel really bad it? about that. I know it's terrible, but I really, I really.
0: Well, you know what, Kelly Wan? I'm with Dingus. You're both oh. – <laughs> no way. Are you kidding? Not at all. Now, I, I will also say I thought it was terrible, and I really lost interest in the latter half of it. But the parts I liked, I really liked. Yeah, me... um, oh. I did not expect it was going to be as playful as it was, uh, oh. yeah. as horrible as I think Chai Courtney is. Uh, oh. Oh. I really oh. liked what Schwarzenegger was doing. I think Amelia yeah. Clark is cute as a button and really feisty. Uh, I, I, I liked some of the writing. Um, yeah me too I love the writing and I think Arnold Schwarzenegger is great in this yeah Schwarzenegger is just a joy to watch in this Uh, (laughs) but overall so Kelly Watt I I, like it completely lost me I mean pretty much as soon as Jason Clark shows up as this uh, you know he he sort of all that Jason Clark stuff I could do without once there's this uh, you know nano deluxe magical Terminator ultra plus model I completely (laughs) lost interest in that Um, but like the first half two-thirds i was really enjoying
2: i was liking the first 10 minutes i was liking that the war was ending while the credits were rolling like oh shit this is going to be a really fast-paced awesome like i was reviews were crazy and then um when the 1984 section started and he's fighting young arnold i liked that stuff mm-hmm. actually i thought it looked really cool and it was an interesting idea
1: um but Jay Courtney just took me out of it, dude.
2: He I, really he is
0: me. awful, Not isn't he? Yeah.
1: Michael he, he's, 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 a, he's a vacuum when it comes to charisma. He's just. Yeah, and he's playing cool. a really iconic character. Why the fuck are they putting him in this movie? He really
0: is. This guy, I want to talk about this because this guy to me has zero screen presence, and yes. that is quite an accomplishment. Um, yeah. You know, at least we've made fun in the past of like Sam Worthington, but at least oh. Sam Worthington, like I get the sense from him that he's this really big, dumb, nice guy who, you know, if you're going to go on a road trip, he might be fun to bring along. Sam Worthington, you know, you wouldn't cast him as the lead in a blockbuster. But, yeah, Sam Worthington's fine to bring along. And, you know, he, have him be one of your buddies, whatever. There's this kind of likability to him at least. Jake Courtney like, I don't understand. I see zero appeal in him. And, and I if, don't get it. Furthermore, he's not even that good looking. No. Uh, he's just uh, so incredibly bland. He, he's this action movie version of, of Chris O'Donnell. Oh, my yeah. God. That's a yeah, great yeah, way to put it.
2: Perfect. Perfect. And, and, just, and he's playing he's playing the Michael Bean role, like right. one of the most iconic, awesome action and Michael Bean was pissed off when he found out his character got killed off between aliens and alien three, but he should be even more enraged by what this movie turns him into.
1: Well, I don't think he should be enraged because if you watch the the original, he's so good in it and he's so What's interesting. Like yeah. Well you know he's so convincing. He should be pleased that he looks so great. <laughs> compared to what they got he's us, the alternative. I mean, no, the guy's he's looks, looks. He's amazing in the original Terminator. He's
3: amazing. Well, what i say'
1: just a black hole. I mean, it's like if dogs bark at Terminators, dogs wouldn't even sniff at giant. I mean, he yeah. wouldn't even. They wouldn't even know that he was
0: there. Well, the funny thing to me is, I and mean, what's mystifying to me is that they hire this completely bland, zero charisma, non-presence fella to play a character who is characterized. By this incredible intensity, and this sense that he's yeah. this hardened,
2: um, competence, resourceful, tenacity. Lean.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like Kyle Reese is is, lean. You know, I,
2: yeah,
0: and, and just his the intensity of the way he speaks and says lines. Mm. Jay Courtney doesn't have any of that. Uh, and so how he everything. How matched. Kyle. I at
1: least get Jason Momoa or somebody, somebody that yeah. she
0: chemistry well, with? Here's, a, here's no what I want to ask Here's what I want to ask you about. I want both of you to recast Jay Courtney for me in this movie. We'll come back to this, but I want you to think about that, like because that's the thing is I, I enjoyed it in spite of Jay Courtney.
1: Um, yeah, me too.
2: And,
0: and I really enjoyed the stuff they were doing with Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor. Uh, and it's just a shame that you know, cute little feisty Amelia em- Clark was basically having to work on her own and she had no one to work with. So we'll come back. We'll circle back to that, but be thinking. Kit Harrington. Um, I don't. I don't even. No, I don't, I can't see Kit Harrington. Uh, I don't think Tom himself. likes Kit Harrington is the problem. he's, I primed, know, he's but, trying to, checking.
2: I mean, Wayne is that Johnson. really
0: who you would pick for a Kyle Reese character? You're just throwing out uh, names now, but, I, like, for instance, I thought, and this is... Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I, I don't see that either. Like, I, I, you know, it has to be, I don't know, like, the, part of what they're doing to the, to the, with this script, though, is they want some comedic value out of their Kyle Reese. Um... You know the, the script is ultimately very playful, which is one of the things I liked about it. Yeah. And it's not just earnest and grim and dark. Um, so you need someone who can play this intensely fierce character, but also has a light touch with comedy. Um, and it's mm. certainly not Jay Courtney. Uh, I also
2: didn't I didn't like Arnold's performance in this as much as I liked it in Terminator Three. I thought he was really funny in that movie, and I, I really liked what he did. I think that's the underrated Terminator movie, which I think I'm in a minority on. But in this, I thought he was too one-note, his jokes were.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. They're, they're, I mean, he's kind of the comedic relief in this uh, and, I, and being a, the robot comedic relief. I mean, that's the joke right. about him is that he is right. one-note, um, and Schwarzenegger and is good it, at that. And that, by the way, was the, the genius of casting him as a Terminator in, in the 80s is here's this action movie star who is just a, randomly, for whatever reason, looks like he's an Austrian bodybuilder who doesn't have much acting chops and can barely speak – Let's make him be a robot. Um, and he's yeah. happily and he's happily
1: pointing fun at himself. Yeah. And that's why that's what I think is his greatest strength as an actor or a celebrity. I don't know which you would want to cat. I don't, I don't know if you want to call him an actor or what, but I, I think that his ability to point fun and to poke fun at his own persona and and talk about the fact that he's aging. Um, I, I really found that charming. I thought he he totally understands his limitations. Yeah. And he he's got Great comic timing. I, I think he's always had that, by the way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big yeah. fan of like um, the movie like, like Twins. I think he's, I think, he, or even Kindergarten Cop. I mean, I like the way that he uses comic timing. I think he understands that, and in this movie in particular, he, I think he understands exactly what he's supposed to do and what he is going to bring to this movie. And I think, quite, quite frankly, he's towing everybody else along with him. Uh, I mean, I think the movie succeeds because he's so great in it.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> the, his performance, remember when we saw Expendables 2, Tom and Chuck Norris came online, came into the movie arbitrarily sure. And, sure. and left, and, and I was like, and I thought that was funny, and you're like, no. And I go, he does that Chuck Norris joke, and you're like, does he know it's funny? Is he in on the joke? And I think Arnold is in on the joke, but this felt more like a vanity piece to me than Terminator Three did. Like I thought that was where he was being. I
0: don't necessarily disagree, but it's not a vanity piece in the sense of "look how badass I am," which is the point of the Chuck Norris jokes. No, but it's not. I mean, the whole joke is old, but not obsolete. The whole joke is that he's falling apart, um, that he's having to jury rig all this stuff. You know, he has to make uh, magnetic gloves out of a loudspeaker. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean. (laughs) I think the whole joke is that he's, he's this uh, shreds-and-patches machine. He's the, the primitive model fighting these super-tough nano-deluxe Terminators. Um, so he is badass. He's badass, but he gets his ass kicked like repeatedly.
2: Right.
0: Um, I mean, I they, have to, they, like have to set, they have to make contingency plans, like the acid sewer or the whole fight at the end. He just has to hold them in the blue CG ball. Um,
2: yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't get to do anything cool. Like in Terminator, he kills a bunch of cops, and in the second one, there's the motorcycle stuff, and in this, he doesn't get to do anything <laughs> well, that fun. I
0: would agree with you here, Kelly. One, I don't, I don't think there was a lot of memorable action in this movie.
2: No, and it's an action movie.
0: Um, I it, yeah, and I would agree. With you, like a as PG-13. an action, as an action movie, it, some of the set pieces were kind of disappointing. I mean, you know, he jumps out of a helicopter into another helicopter. Like I, that stuff is goofy. Um, but as
2: trailer, that,
0: as an action movie, I don't think there's a lot really to enjoy here. But as a comedy, and more importantly, here's what I really appreciated. Um, the the point of this comedy is is a nod almost specifically, almost exclusively, to the original Terminator. You know, we have the liquid terminator in there from Terminator 2, I'm okay with that. But for the most part, why this works for me is it's creating this sense of an alternate reality by playing with what we remember from the original Terminator. It doesn't care so much about you know, there's a whole bunch of shenanigans about time travel and stuff, but it's all time travel in the same way as Back to the Future 2 is where it's there to riff on the previous movie. Um, you know, when we are watching them reshooting uh, the Kyle Reese arrival from Terminator, the Terminator arrival at the Griffith Park Observatory with the punks, um, the whole point of that is we as the audience watch that and we're like, wait a minute. They're just reshooting the original stuff and then a kind of a shocking moment comes along where something changes, you know. Like Arnold showing up saying, you won't need those clothes. Uh, and that creates in the audience this sense of, I knew this one reality, and now we're going a different line. Like, I really liked how they played with that.
2: But uh, it's a watered-down PG-13 version of the first one, and it's a co- totally unexplained. Like, it's a huge deal that he's there and this has changed, and you've and they the writers yeah. don't give you any idea yep. why that's happened. And I'll
0: tell you why it happens, Kelly Wand, is because this is the, the – the gimmick they wanted to come up with. This is the playfulness they wanted to introduce into the series. And rather than try to explain a whole bunch of exposition about it, they just kind of did it. And I'm yeah, with you. I say I,
2: try I, harder.
0: Well, I'm with you. I'm like, why, you know, what, if, if you really look at this, it's full of holes. It's got a, a horrible lead actor with Jay Courtney. Uh, I really yeah. do think it falls apart. Um, I completely lost interest in it by the time it was over. Um, but just that premise was enough to certainly get my attention and keep me interested for the first two mm. third of it.
2: I needed to know at least what was going on.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. And there, there is – yeah, there's a, there's a lot of hand-waving just so they can do this little gimmick they want to do. And, and because I liked the gimmick so much, I guess I didn't mind the hand-waving.
1: Remind me but again love- what you mean by when you say just the gimmick.
0: The gimmick being let's appeal on, to nostalgia for the original Terminator. Let's re- issued scenes from the original Terminator and then add the – you know, use that as a starting point and then diverge into this, uh, this separate movie. Um, that's okay. its only right. thing, though. It's
1: all it does is like fan service. But think about the
0: possibilities. Of that. Think about the
1: possibilities of that and how this movie uses them. This is the, that's the thing I really love about this movie is that how it it works as a sort of a. I don't know if I want to use the word rewrite. Um, I, I forget what reset. word. Reset. No, no, it's not reset. It's not reimagining. Maybe revision is is a cool way to put it. But but there there are all these like fan edits that are online and like fans doing edits of movies and whatnot. And just think of the possibilities of and and this could be horribly done uh, for for reimagining old movies, but. In, a, in this kind of timeline. And I think this movie, I think, and this is why I just think this script is really, really good for most of the movie. I agree with Tom that it falls apart. But the, for the opening part of it, when they're they are going back in into this timeline and realizing, oh, no, we're not just going to show you this, we're not just going show you clips from the old movie because things have changed and this is why they have changed. Right. And I like that idea that with a movie you can do that, that Nowadays, we now well, we could have done it any time. We can just like revise an older movie and and make it the way we want to. If we cleverly write it, it might be pretty good. And I really like the way that that resets this movie in a different way. Uh, I, that was really appealing to me. The way that it messes with the timeline because I get notoriously uh, impatient with time travel movies because it's like it's an excuse for a screenwriter just to get away with anything he wants to.
0: And, Kelly Wan, well, I'm with you in that I, I do think that this gimmick, the, the you know, re- rebooting or retconning the timeline or whatever, I don't think it necessarily works as an action movie. I don't think it necessarily works as uh, a development of the Terminator story. But what they're doing with it and how it works for me is as a straight-up comedy. comedy. Yeah. Yeah
1: I, yeah, I agree with that.
0: I thought some of that stuff was hilarious. And, and, the, and that kind of, in a way, then, makes the bad parts of the movie, like how awful Jay Courtney is – that makes me kind of enjoy it on a comedic basis. Like, oh my god, it's look like, how awful this guy is. Well, I'm laughing at this other stuff, I guess I'll laugh at how terrible Jay Courtney is too. It's the
2: they came together of the Terminator
0: movie.
1: But, but I, the thing is I could not laugh at Jay Courtney. He just was so – he was like a yeah. bur- and He was just really annoying.
0: Well, but uh, – yeah, yeah. I mean he's annoying, And he, but I, I mean to me it's ridiculous that this guy is cast, and I kind of enjoy – like as a guy who enjoys watching like terrible actors in old movies, I can kind of enjoy watching terrible Jay Courtney – trying to hold his own against, uh, Emilia Clark. Um, I didn't like her but really all I that's
1: feel is bad that. for her because she doesn't have anybody that she has chemistry with. And, and I think that she is, she's really, it's really an interesting way to play the character. Uh, it's an interesting idea that, that Arnold, that, that the guardian as he's listed, uh, has been with her all this time and she calls him pop and that right. she's got a different character from the first movie. I mean, it's really a joy to watch the first movie after watching this movie, it's really a joy to see what they've done with the timeline and see what Amelia Clark is doing. And it would have been great because as cheesy, I mean, the, the original movie is a very, there's a lot of cheesy stuff in it, It, but, there's a heat
0: between those two people, and there's no heat here. But it's not right. But it's not trying to tell that kind of movie. The whole joke, Dingus, is yeah. that she doesn't care about meeting yeah. with him. Right. Like I, I thought that right. Well, was that's
1: hilarious. a good point. That's a very good point, actually.
0: You know, And they're playing with this idea, too, that Schwarzenegger is her father, and this is the new boyfriend, and he doesn't like the new boyfriend. And I, as the audience member, don't like the new boyfriend either.
1: <laughs> very, um, good. very good. Very good. Very
0: yeah. good. He did. There's one bit yeah, where – it's true. There's one bit where uh, he says to Schwarzenegger, you know, you're not her dad, right? Like, that that was the only line that I thought he got right. I was like, hey, you finally hit <laughs> it sounded he, convincing. Schwarzenegger has a it. dick
2: joke on him. Your dick is too small to protect her. Doesn't he, like, look down at his dick at one point? So.
0: Uh, I'll buy that. I mean, yeah, the, you know, I like the playfulness when they're naked. You know, it reminded me dingus of uh, Rachel Weisz and Constantine where, uh, <laughs> where, where Keanu Reeves is going to put her in the tub to see hell. You know, them stripping down to, to time travel – that was hilarious, I thought. That that was funny. This fact that, you know, he's gonna be naked with a super hot chick. You're gonna to to travel through time. It's kind of awkward. Um, you know, oh, I like that they played with that. It's the first
1: date. I just realized who I would recast. Now that you said that, I just realized. All right, it. who do you got, Dingus? Sean William Scott.
0: Man, I can see that. I can totally see that. Because Sean William Scott, when you look at something like Southland Tales, where he's being serious, I could see him doing a Kyle Reese thing, that's very good. I was going way heavier, thinking like an Edward Norton or something. But I like your Sean Williams guy.
1: No, because I, lo- I love how earnest he is in Goon. Yeah, very and good. And I love how he can be serious and he can be tough, but he's also kind of dopey. And I could just see John Connor going like, well, it's my dad. i got to send him back.
2: You right, know. right. Yeah. Then, yeah, and he's funny. So then I would have... Bought into toms it's it's the it's an awesome comedy right right thing. but jay courtney kept reminding me it's not an awesome comedy uh um,
0: i briefly thought and kelly one i think you from the synopsis i'm wondering if you think the same thing uh so I really like the idea also of the T800 having to wait 30 years. You know, he sends them in time, and he basically like just has show, to bide it. his time. And even he has to get a job during this, which I love <laughs> that they touch on that. He has to work construction while he's waiting for them. Uh, get it? So when they uh, go back to the lair that he set up, That's a for, cool.
3: When
0: yeah. they go back to the lair that he set up for them, um, you know, there's the bit where Amelia Clark finds the old tape player and she puts the music on and there's those drawings up there, I briefly, for a moment, thought he drew those pictures. Mm. Uh, and there's even that composition book, and I was like, a chappy. wait a minute, he keeps a diary? Uh, but they're pictures that she obviously drew. Right. But for a brief moment, I was like, oh my god, he's a Terminator. You know, he, he can't draw, of course. This is him drawing pictures, remembering his time with the little girl. That wasn't, I mean, those were pictures she had drawn, but for a brief moment, I was like, yeah, he's been pining away for her for 30 years and drawing little kids pictures.
2: He has, though. I mean, that's not that different.
0: Right, right, exactly. Uh, and you know, it reminded me, you guys didn't like Interstellar, uh, but it reminded me of that great moment I love in Interstellar when they come back from that tidal wave planet and David Gyasi is sitting there at the, at the airlock going, what the fuck? Well, he's like, I've been waiting for you for 23 years. I know. And that's such a, like a sad, poignant moment, which, the you, which you don't realize because you've been watching the adventure stuff on the tidal wave planet. So it reminded me of that with the Terminator having to wait thirty years. Yeah. What it well, makes late
1: <laughs> it's how a great, uh, how a great bending of the word uh, relentless that is, because uh-huh, very in, good it, in is. the original movie it's like they, he is relentless; he will never stop. And this idea that I'll meet you in San Francisco in this amount of years. He's relentless. He will never stop, and that stretches it out over 25 how – many, how many years is it?
0: 30 years. Or or yeah, it's 30 years, isn't it? Or I, I basically just round it off.
1: He, yeah. just, he stretches it out over a couple of decades. That's the—that's another definition of relentless instead of just a machine constantly coming after you in an action movie.
0: Right, right. Uh, Dingus, how did you feel about Jason Park? <laughs> So I, I know uh, you and me are probably the biggest Jason Clark fans here, Kelly. Wan, you don't sound so hot on him. You made fun of him for being in the Planet of the Apes movie. Uh, but, Dingus, how do you feel about Jason Clark as our villain here? Uh, I I can't. I'm tired of these like pixelated
1: things. Like it reminds me of that awful Johnny Depp movie we had to watch. Uh, Transcendence. Transcendence. Thank you. Um, uh, yeah, it was like
2: that. That's a good. It's exactly like that. Because you don't know what his powers are, just like Johnny Depp's and that.
1: I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of the amalgam of the, um, you know, I'm not a machine, I'm not a man, I'm more. I, I kind of like the idea, but I, I don't buy any of it, and I think it takes away from the movie. And as much as I do like Jason Clarke, and I like him a great deal, I just don't think it adds anything to the movie. We also
2: don't know what happens. So it's another dangler, and it's like the crux of the whole movie, and we don't know
1: what happens. Well, well I think the idea of, of John Connor becoming the villain in this weird way, is sort of satisfying, but I don't think they realize it in any way that is... There's I, I mean, nothing. how... He's, he's an indestructible... He's like a Superman kind of a villain. He's an indestructible villain, and why... It, it just becomes uninteresting to me. I don't know.
0: And I, I don't think... Jason, I thought Jason Clark was terrible. I mean, they, they they didn't give him much to work with, but I love no. the guy, and I thought he was just awful doing the... just. I'm going to be the evil guy. I mean, I don't know what he could have done differently, but... And even early on, by the way, the stuff where he's—I mean, this is too—where I was like, "Wait a minute, is this a comedy?" Those awful early scenes where he and Jack Courtney are walking down the hallway and they're talking about how tired they are of killing, and I'm thinking, yeah. "Wait a minute, you're killing robots. You know, this isn't—this yeah. is isn't like right. the, the horrors of humanity dying. Being, you know, the horrors of war. You're just breaking robots."
2: Yeah, um, and you're surviving as opposed to dying. Right, right, so right. That exactly. would
1: be your focus. Right, and that's one of the things that I talked about when we watched *Age of Ultron*. It's like you're just breaking a bunch of metal. Right. I mean, who but, cares?
0: Jay Courtney even says, "I am tired of the killing." Like that's that's an actual line he says. Killing, and it, you haven't killed anybody. Like, you're tired of killing machines, you know. Maybe uh, well,
2: he means he's tired of watching
1: people get killed by. Machine.
0: You know what? That Kelly one yeah. just redeemed. Kelly Wan, yeah. Thanks for making. If that. I may stick Wan, on, on,
1: well done. You made us like the movie more.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Kelly, very nice to work. Yeah. Well, Jay Courtney's
2: the smartest character. That's my.
0: <laughs> uh, so here's another argument for it being a comedy. Uh, there's a point where the T 800 and the Jason Clark Nano Terminator are fighting, and Arnold's hands like, are going to grab him. And the T 800 grabs Arnold's hands and pulls them apart like he's stronger. And the sound effect they play for that is like a creaking hull of a ship. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, you have got to be kidding. That's the sound effect you're going to go for for his arms being pulled like that. <laughs> I, I was like, is nice. that a
1: joke? You.
0: And, and well, also, it's
1: old titanium. What are you going to do?
0: I guess so. And the fact that, the, you know, if you make this super deluxe nano or ultra plus Terminator and it can be undone by an MRI machine, I think you need to go yeah. back to the drawing board. Like, that was, <laughs> that was thing. Yeah, so ridiculous. Like, I was I laughing have... at that scene.
2: Yeah, they kill Terminators too easily. Like, the whole point of Terminators is it's they're really hard to kill. And these Terminators fall, like, fucking...
1: Well, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I kind of like the way that they... the, the trap they set for the, the uh, other T-1000. The little acid
0: shower thing.
1: Yeah, the the acid shower, or whatever that thing was that, that dissolved him and that dissolved part of uh, Arnold... Uh, too easy. Guard. And No, I, I don't think that's too easy. They were and we've seen him dissolve already. That's one of the things I love anything. about this is how they mess with the timeline of the original movie so that Sarah Connor is a different person now or right. her timeline has been moved... In a different direction. I mean, I really do like the way this script is put together and at least the first, as Tom said, the first two thirds.
0: Yeah, she's had time to sort of figure out, you know, they've had time to set traps and to analyze what their weaknesses are and stuff. And uh, yeah, again, it's playing on this idea of an alternate reality. This is a very different character. Yeah. Uh, Also, I think it's ridiculous that they steal a school bus for a getaway. Like how how silly is that? Who, what was that decision about? Yeah,
1: uh, that decision—that's about yeah. the last person to do that sequence watched Lost World, and then they or did Dirty Harry, the
0: bus thing, or uh, Dark Knight, yeah, yeah. or Jeepers Creepers too. Kelly, Wan, you've got to have appreciated a little J.K. Simmons goofing around, right? Wasn't that fun? Uh,
2: I always like J.K. Simmons, yeah. and he—he's fine in this. He doesn't get to do very much.
1: I was oh. confused by him. I thought he. Yeah. I thought he was supposed to be like the modern version of Silver
0: psychiatrist. You mean? Yeah, the psychiatrist. That's, that's what I thought too. I guess because they were both bald. But he yeah.
2: kind of is. He's supposed to be, yeah. but he's more. He's more proactive.
1: The way. But I wrote down his name. His name is O'Brien, and I was like, is this guy? Is this the same dude? But it's. It's not obviously.
0: And again, another joke—a clear joke, as you know. Where, where he's like, "I realize this stuff is very complicated," and Amelia Clark's like, "We're trying to stop the end of the world," and he says, "I can work with that." Like, you know, these are, this is a comedy at times—straight yeah. up going for the joke more than anything else.
1: Yeah. You know, now that you bring him up, I guess Miles Teller might be okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not a Miles Teller fan, uh, except for Whiplash. Um, but maybe Miles Teller is Kyle Reese. Yeah, you
0: know, why not? Dingus, you're gonna just for that. I'm gonna make you see the Fantastic Four movie when it comes out later this summer. All <laughs> right, you know. then I'll make Michael B. Jordan be Cal uh, Reese. How about that? Uh ah, oh, wait, yeah, I am with you. I like you there. what I'm
1: hearing. Let's
2: Dingus
0: just—he
2: just threw that in at the last second, like it was nothing. Just cutted yep. it.
0: So I always thought that and Dingus, you—you you recently rewatched it, and the original Terminator, when Kyle Reese delivers to Sarah <laughs> Connor the message, I always thought in that scene. That's the message? I mean, it sounds yeah, so clunky and stilted that I thought, and I don't know if this is, works for anyone else, but I kind of like to think, you know, Kyle Reese is just making that up on the spot there. Nobody <laughs> ever told him to say that. He's just thinking this up as something to say. Um, but in this movie, for whatever reason, they're like, yeah, we have to explain the origin of the message. You know, We have to show John Connor telling Kyle Reese the message the to message. pass along, which, I, again, I thought that's one of those stupid things. Where, like it's really clumsy to hear it. This isn't something we needed cleared up or explained. We didn't need to see this, and it reminded me of, like, Ridley Scott making a whole movie to explain the space jockey, you know, Prometheus.
2: <laughs> and he's like, still not explain it either. Right, right,
0: right. I'm like, really, you're going to make us have – listen now to John Connor explaining to Kyle Reese the message, which I always thought he was faking anyway. We um, yeah, do it
1: because he says, I memorized it. So <laughs> it's always a clue that – no, you didn't. Yeah,
0: well, you're he you making Memorize
2: his own fucking name. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Kelly, one, you have to have loved uh, Schwarzenegger's little rictus grins. Come on, weren't those adorable? <laughs> they were awesome. Those ones
2: are right. They're in the trailer. John Connor being a robot's in the trailer too, by the way.
0: Ouch, that? man, that's a wow! I'm glad I hit. So that. I so.
2: Would you see, so I went into this movie a little hostile because okay. of that and the PG-13 so maybe I wasn't in the right place but at the beginning I kind of was feeling what you're talking about and I was going, well, it's kind of weird it's definitely weirder than Jurassic World like it's definitely trying some crazy shit, but where you checked out, you said like two thirds of the way in, I was like about a third. Of the
0: way in. Well again, I want to stress, I don't think it's a good movie, like I, I think there's just yeah. so much about it that's terrible and ridiculous and I think
2: it gets boring sooner than you do.
0: Well, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I was just entertained by. Uh, did you like Amelia Clark, though? Because I really thought. She, uh, I, I've only seen her in Game of Thrones, and she's in this fantastic Jude Law movie, which, again, you guys need to see, called Dom Hemingway, uh, where you don't get a sense for how good she can be. But I really liked her in this. You, you didn't like her so much, Kelly Wand?
2: No, I thought she was really miscast. Oh. I only liked the one shot where they were doing the mug shots, and her shortness is the joke right that, right right yeah that was right. cute. that made me laugh
0: but yes, like you, you, oh go ahead sorry
2: no no that's all just like it she didn't seem very sarah connery like
0: but well that's the thing is she was a very different kind of sarah Connor. but i liked the continuity with you know this is what we thought of linda hamilton as young when we were boys seeing the terminator uh you know this is kind of and what linda hamilton became i thought she did a great job kind of channeling that but as a younger character
1: right mm. without all the fuzzy hair or the feathery hair it's so weird to watch Linda Hamilton going into her waitressing job, and, and yes. she's so uh, – oh, my gosh. In so many ways, uh, she's just so unable to do anything right. She's riding this little scooter right. around. Oh,
0: that's right, and she locks it up in front of a Bob's Big Boy, doesn't she?
1: Exactly, but it's called like Big Jerry's or something, and she tells right. the guy to look after it, and she's a terrible waitress. She's ineffectual. Um, in so many ways, I mean, that, I mean, that's one of the wonderful things about watching the first Terminator is watching her do finally get to the point where she does the field dressing on Kyle, and he's like, "That's a pretty good field dressing." And she goes, "Well, it's my first. I'm glad you liked it."
0: Yeah, um, but it's like, what if that character had a head start becoming the Sarah Connor from Terminator Two and Three? You know, the the, the exactly,
1: crack, yeah, um, yeah, because she's got that. Apparently, she's got something inherent in her that she passed on to her son, and it's nice to see that that has been. Started earlier.
0: right? Yes, exactly. It,
1: it doesn't make any
2: sense to me why she would tell Reese as her as her salutation to him. Come with me if you want to live like he's from the future who's who fights Terminators like he's he won't necessarily die if she's not there. So why would she say that?
0: I also don't care about that. You know, I thought, for instance, the movie was going to be smart enough to have the I'll be back callback being Schwarzenegger yeah. saying I'll be there. I yeah. loved that. And I was like, OK, good for you guys. You resisted the obvious temptation to yeah. do a stupid "I'll be back" joke, but they did it anyway. But I really liked "I'll be yeah. there." I was like, "Hey, good for you guys. That's clever. Yeah, nice work." But then he has to do an "I'll be back." And by the way, "I'll be back." I, I, I take issue with the way "I'll be back" is shorthand from the first movie for right. "I'm about to come up, come back, and fuck some shit up." Kill you, yeah. yeah. "I'll be back" is not a line of comfort. It's not a assurance. Right <laughs> it is a threat. It is a promise that I'm going to screw this place up. Uh, but at some point. It becomes uh, a little – Well, it
1: becomes you know, that in Judgment Day. Uh, where
0: he becomes a good guy Terminator, right? right. Yeah, which I don't need that silliness. Um, well, I guess he is a good guy now. But anyway, when they do the I'll be back, I, I wish they just left it at I'll be there. Um, right. Did you
2: know for the first Terminator, he was going to be the good guy at first and then – but James Cameron was having trouble finding a Reese that would be – able to go up against him. And he considered OJ Simpson, but didn't think as a Terminator, but he didn't think he'd be convincing as a killer.
0: Oh, that's, a, Oh, Kelly wand. Ouch, oh, wow.
2: That's what it said. Oh, that's a true Wikipedia. It's a
0: true internet entry. Well, there, yeah, it's yeah. true. <laughs> uh,
1: there, there's this great moment where, um, that reminded me that, that I've, I've never seen Jack Reacher, but there's only, there's one scene yeah, that yeah, Thomas right. showed me from it. And uh, there's a moment where, uh, somebody steps from a car in this movie that remind me of a moment that Tom showed me from Jack Reacher, where the car's still moving, so opens the door, and he steps out of it. What's
0: the and moment I really,
1: here? It's, it's just this, it's this moment when, uh, when I think it's Schwarzenegger, steps out of a car, and the car just keeps rolling down the street. and or, or it's like sliding away from him, and it reminds me of that moment you showed me in Jack Reacher, where he just steps out of the car and right. it keeps rolling on.
0: Yeah, so that the cops will catch him and he fades into the crowd. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Um, all right, so I want to ask you guys this before we do our over-unders. Uh, just from a general perspective of why some movies work and why some don't, um, even though, Dingus, I think you, you liked it a lot more than, than Kelly Wan. Kelly Wan and I didn't care for Jurassic World. Dingus, you enjoyed it. I, I think part of that is is due to – well, I mean, for whatever reason, you liked it more than us, but I think you can agree with us that there are some serious flaws with Jurassic World. Um, there are some serious flaws with this as well. Uh, both Jurassic World and Terminator – are dated franchises. Um, you know, the Terminator. Yeah. When was Salvation, Kelly Wand? Hell, like, that's got to be at least what eight 2008, years old?
2: I think. Yeah, yeah okay. Before the podcast. So, first
0: Terminator movie. so both of these, both Jurassic World and, and uh, Terminator Genesis, are revivals of an old franchise. Uh, why do you think that Jurassic World took off so much and Terminator Genesis didn't? Aside from any differences with quality. Yeah, Kelly Wan, what do you think?
2: Because dinosaurs are always awesome to look at, and dinosaurs eating people is like a draw always. Like, it doesn't have to be good or bad. While as Terminator movies, they've kind of – it's sort of a limited concept at this point. Like, they can't – they're not going to do anything we haven't seen before. Like, the story's kind of paid out. There's nothing about a robot – that turns into CG that that's, that's as exciting anymore. Okay. Because we've seen it. And they all kind of look the same now. They all just turn into glowy shit. While as dinosaurs, they look different every time. Like, you're guaranteed at least one new dinosaur per Jurassic Park movie.
0: Okay. Dennis, any thoughts there?
1: My thoughts are, are purely about what you can take a kid to. Um, and uh, ah. you're right. You're yeah. right. Uh one of the reasons I love Jurassic World, although watching Jurassic Park again last night, my son just wanted to watch it again last night. Um, He needed to watch a movie sort of as a comfort thing, and he wanted to watch Jurassic Park. I don't know what to tell you, but he wanted to watch it. So we sat down and we watched it again, and um, sitting there watching it, um, I can watch Jurassic Park, I can watch... Lost World. I can watch Jurassic Park 3. I can watch Jurassic World with my with my ten year old. Uh, and now that he's old enough to do those things, I can introduce him to the earlier movies because he's going to want to see those earlier. Uh, yes, this is a PG 13 movie. There's probably nothing in um, Terminator Genesis that I can't show my kid, uh, given the things that he's seen in Guardians of the Galaxy and everything else. But I cannot show him the original Terminator. It's too gory it's an r rated movie. I just can't do it. There's too much going on in that movie that it wouldn't be unacceptable for a ten year old so it's it's more an idea of what age kids you can take things to and I think Kelly's also right about the the hook about dinosaurs so
0: those are those are both great points yeah so as far as also the the marketing like you know a family movie is going to get more people out, more people are going to see it. Um, so yeah, I think more parents take more kids to Jurassic World than are going to take them to Terminator Genesis. Excellent point. And, right. uh, and also, yeah, the inherent wow factor of dinosaurs running amok, uh, as far as marketing that spectacle, you can only watch a Terminator chase someone so many different yeah. ways. You can right. only get so much from that. Uh, I would also put a lot of it down to, um, as someone who really appreciates following actors, I, I, don't, I think Chris Pratt deserves a lot of credit for the appeal of Jurassic World. Um, he's a huge he, box office draw in a way that I don't think Schwarzenegger is anymore. Uh, I think that's he, an important factor as well. Well, I that, you know, you're
1: actually, you're actually, absolutely right about that because the thing that spurred my son to want to see Jurassic yeah. World and to push us to say, "Can I finally watch Jurassic Park this year?" He's ten years old. We put it off for ten years. Um, was Chris Pratt that he just saw in Guardians of the Galaxy? He's like, "I really like Chris Pratt. Can I, can I see Jurassic World?"
0: I think whether you know him from Parks and Rec or or uh Guardians of the Galaxy like Chris Pratt is just box off his gold at this point and the timing certainly helps and there's no there's no counterpart to that in the Terminator reboot or the Terminator Genesis movie I think.
2: Right, right, right. I guess right. I get that as an appeal, but Guardians of the Galaxy is definitely way better used than in Jurassic World.
0: Chris Pratt, no, no, uh, right. And, and this, oh, is yeah, strictly, yeah. Uh, this is strictly strictly a matter, Kelly. wan not the, the relative merits of the movie. Because by the way, I like right, right, Genesis. Yeah. Terminator Genesis way more than Jurassic World. It's yeah. just as far as a movie being cr- uh, commercially successful. You know, why is Jurassic World the number one opening movie of all time, whereas Terminator Genesis couldn't crack the number one spot when it came out, and it's by all accounts a huge commercial flop. Yeah, um, and by the way, this is interesting too. Uh, Terminator Genesis and the Terminator movies in general uh, are much more for a, an overseas audience. Um, these yeah. movies do really well in markets like like Russia and the Middle East. they, they love Terminator movies over there. Guns and robots. Um, they, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, th- this is, this movie is going to do fine. Nobody's going to go broke or anything. But I, I guarantee, I, I think. I don't know that I'm premature in saying this, but I I almost guarantee that it's gonna make most of its money from overseas.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's for sure. But maybe it's because Schwarzenegger's sort of European No no, that's
0: that's true as well, Kelly Wand, is these these, these of sort their... of washed up American action stars from the eighties, they age much better in certain territories outside yeah. North America. Yeah. All right, quick over on your Jesus, the ex- the expendables yeah. must be huge then, overseas. Uh, I think so, I mean, I don't know about huge. They don't have the. I don't think they have the appeal of the Terminator franchise. But yeah, I would. I would. I would bet, and I would have to look this up that they made more money overseas than they did here.
2: Yeah.
0: Hmm. I don't they think you
2: on like Stallone as much as Schwarzenegger. I don't think anyone likes Sylvester Stallone as much as Schwarzenegger.
0: Yeah, I don't think. I, although I am curious about you know he's doing another Rocky movie with the director. The director of Fruitvale Station with the star uh, of Fruitvale of Station. Yeah, is doing another Rocky movie, which. With with Stallone in it, so I'm looking forward to this. Wait, is Michael B. Jordan Creed? He's okay. his son, his grandson, I think. Hmm. Isn't that isn't that the hook, that Michael B. Jordan plays Apollo Creed's grandson? Gee, I thought it was New a prequel. prequel. Um, all right. no, I is Mr. T in it? No, Mr. it prequel. can't be a prequel, because Stallone's in it. Right. Yeah, I think Stallone's in it. Don't quote me on that. All I know is it is the Fruitvale Station director, Ryan Coogler, and Michael B. Jordan. I'm pretty sure Stallone's in it. And that it's just he's training Apollo Creed's grandson, I believe.
1: Oh, well, that would be that, that's interesting. You yeah. just got me interested in a Rocky movie. Thanks.
0: Uh-huh. Training well, him to do what? Uh, to uh, <laughs> what do you say? Yeah. What? What could Rocky train him to do? For construction
1: until he can get his I with the
0: dirty. Well, actually, to soften to soften beef to soften up sides of beef. I like that you said soften. Well, there's a T in that word, Dingus. You don't want to. For money. Paul All right. Give me some over unders, gentlemen. Uh, I'm going to go first because mine I, is not very inspired. I just went with – because I liked this as a comedy about time travel shenanigans. Uh, I thought it did way better tapping into the, uh, the the implications of time travel in a timeline than Terminator uh, Rise of the Machines, which was very preoccupied with that. I liked the kind of the weird ending of it, um, but I thought this is way better than that, but – not nearly as good as what is probably the premium time travel shenanigans movie of all time, and that would be Back to the Future 2. <laughs> I thought about that one. It is, so, it is similar. Yeah. So, not very inspired, but I just went with bracketing it, sort of, and not even that tightly between two movies that play with time travel. Kelly Wan, what did you do with your over under?
2: Uh, I like Back Future too a lot. That's actually a good choice. Um, but I'd put T three over it too. But my fa I as my over, I picked uh, Midnight in Paris because that's my favorite time travel movie. That is awesome, but it's
1: way over. Come on. Yeah.
2: Well, it, does it have to be near, narrow?
1: What if you I just don't try? have to? I guess you don't have. I I like Tom's like bracketing scheme, and I looked. At, I thought about Midnight in Paris, but go ahead and talk about why you like that so much. Because
2: it's not only, well, I saw it really late, so I'm still, I think I liked it way after anyone else did, so then there's sort of this impulse to like talk about it, because you kind of got left out when everyone else was talking about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, it's the only time travel I can think of where it actually makes a, an original point about time travel, because most of them are just like human nature's the same wherever you go, whatever time you're in, or just don't shoot your grandma. Grandma <laughs> paradox. But Midnight in Paris is like, yeah, everyone wants to go back thirty years, basically to the till the beginning of time. There's like someone in ancient Egypt going, yeah, I gotta go back thirty years. I thought that was kind of brilliant. My under is Terminator
0: Salvation. <laughs> God, Terminator Salvation. What went on there? Good Lord! The very, wow, you must know, really dislike Terminator Genesis if that was your under.
2: Ouch. I definitely disliked it, but it's better than Salvation. But no, it's PG-13 Terminators. I don't like this. Stop making them. I
1: don't, I don't want to see any more Terminators. I Salvation so much. Oh, because it's awful. It's awful ideas, awful acting, terrible looking. Man, oh. it's the one time I think... Oh, when, I, when else have I liked Sam Worthington? I mean, I I kind of like the idea... Flash the Titans. That, I like the ideas that they're going for in that movie. I kind of like Terminator Salvation in a weird way. Ha I know, I know ha-ha. it's a ha ha. Um, but, but I... I I kind of, I mean, I, I honestly, I wish it had been more about um, that character rather than about John Connor. I wish it, there had been less Christian Bale. I mean, this is the first time you're, you, you know, the only time you're going to hear me say I wish there had been less Christian Bale and more Sam Worthington in the
0: movie. <laughs> well, that was the original intent, by the way. I
1: mean, yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And right, so. I even liked Anton Yelchin in it. I mean, I really kind of liked what was going on in that movie. Will you ever say I wish there
2: was more Jay Courtney and less blank?
1: I will never say that about anything ever. I promise you. Unless it's well, I don't know. I was gonna make a, a, a the day is a, young a Taylor Kitsch joke, but I, I think no, I you know, know what I'm kind of liking Taylor Kitsch. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the
0: Taylor Kitsch jokes have to come off the table. The guy's proved himself. Come on. Yeah. You see Lone good. Survivor again. If you guys haven't, if you guys really want to, just the title's dumb. I'm not watching them. All right, but it's great Taylor Kitsch. <laughs> Biggest over and under for uh,
1: Terminator Genesis. All right, my under is is a is a perpetual time travel whipping boy for me, and that would be X Men Days of Future Past, which ah. uh, is horribly written and uses yes. and just ruins ruins a f- franchise and uses time travel as an excuse to make this, it's just a mess wow. of a mess yes. of things. Um, whereas I think that uh, Terminator Genesis uses time tr- time travel in. To mess with the timelines, and uses it, I think at least in part of the, the script, in a creative way to re- revisit other scenes that we've seen and revisit other characters we've seen. And I just think Days of Future Past is a mess. I Can't stand it. So my over, <laughs> my over would be uh, Star Trek for um, <laughs> Voyage Home. I really do. I'm sorry. I really do love the time travel in this movie. Uh, I love the way it's portrayed. It's totally cheesy when you watch it again, watching them like head toward the sun and slingshot around to go back in time to get the whales and bring them back to save the world. Um, But I love that sort of. That idea of bringing these characters, these beloved characters, back in time into a weird sort of fish—if you'll excuse me—mammal out of water thing. Um, So I would put Star Trek Four as my over. What do you think?
0: And uh, that Kelly Warren. Dingus loves Star Trek movies.
2: Would having sex with a Terminator hurt more than when I made out with my juicer?
3: One, two, three, not only you and me, but only you and me, me, but I'm caught in between la, them. One, two, three, uh, beat upon my feet, and now I'm free to everybody else. Oh, son.
2: Best days are ahead of her. Wait. Just just like Terminator. And
0: um, speaking of whales, what is this week's 3x3? <laughs> These
1: are your three favorite aquariums in movies. <laughs> Tom, what would you think of this topic?
2: <laughs> Pretty intense, it's Weirdly
0: huh? specific, but I'm, I'm game. I, I got some picks, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Kelly let's find out what you thought of it first, because you're introducing next week's topic. So why don't you start us off with your number three favorite aquarium in a movie?
2: Uh... My number three is from the movie Deuce Bigelow. Where, oh.
1: <laughs> wait, wait. Which one? Which Deuce Bigelow?
2: Right. Ah! Yeah. The first. Oh, I thought you meant which aquarium because there's two aquariums.
1: Huh? Oh, I didn't even know that. I was just making Deuce sure aquarium. it wasn't European. Oh, I didn't know which one.
0: Well, there's Deuce Bigelow and there's Deuce Bigelow European Vacation. <laughs> right.
1: And then Deuce Bigelow Road Trip.
0: Dingus, there are not three Deuce Bigelow movies. Everybody knows that. We're all waiting for News of a Third to finally come along. I was hoping it would be announced at Comic-Con this year, by the way, but nope. Yeah. So These far, TV? no sign of a new Deuce Bigelow movie. Yeah,
1: those graphic novels of Deuce Bigelow new are Bigelow. not taking off.
0: I've actually never seen a Deuce Bigelow movie. Dingus, I'm guessing that's true of you as well? That would be true. Yeah, so Kelly Wand, you're our Deuce Bigelow source material expert. What's the aquarium scene, and what makes it so good? Well...
2: The plot hinges on an aquarium that he fucks up of, uh, who's the guy who was the mummy? Is his name Oded? Did fair? Oded,
0: Oded Fair? Oded Fair. Yeah.
2: Oh. Oded Fair.
1: He's the actual I'm supposed hero. to look after that dude's aquarium?
2: Yeah, and then he knocks it over. Oh. Because he's doing, um, you know where you put your shins and exercise vices and then hang upside down to okay. work out your upside down muscles? Okay. He's fucking around with that, and then it knocks over the aquarium. But that's not the aquarium we're talking about. At the beginning,
0: he no, goes – he, he was in one of those uh, um, Resident, Resident, Evil, yeah, Resident Evil movies. Well, he's in a couple of them. He's, a, I think, a recurring character, isn't he? Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right, yeah. He plays, like, the husband in one of them. And then he, yeah, okay. I like that guy. So he's the uh, gigolo, and Rob he's Schneider has to, like, fill kid. his his role or something? Yeah,
2: he has to – right, because um, Odette Fair is the Richard Gere gigolo. Um, but at the beginning of the movie, um, Rob Schneider, so is like, he's like a fish, uh, studier. He's like naked in an aquarium. Be an ichthyologist. Yes. Ichthyologist. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Um, let's go with the scientific term, Tom. Fish studier. Come on.
2: Fish studier. <laughs> fish studyology, Tom. No, there's what need what to did, you, did get, you go to? Yeah, we to get, get
0: fancy me? in Latin with this. You're right. Fish studier. Makes sense. Okay. E. Pluribus. Okay. Is that what Matt Hooper is in Jaws, a fish studier? (laughs) That's what he is in Piranha.
2: But if I may bring the house down, which also had a cool aquarium in it. um, (laughs) At the beginning of Deuce Bigelow, he goes to the pet store to buy fish food because he's a fish studier. And um, there's like a girl that works there he's kind of into, but she thinks he's dumb because he's Rob Schneider. So he always goes, Oh yeah, can you get me one of those fish from the aquarium? And then she leans into the aquarium and her knobs get wet through her
1: t shirt. She has a door hanging over the aquarium.
2: No, it's like a fish tank aquarium. Okay.
0: Kelly Wand, as a There's fan a, as a fan of Larry Gay, renegade male flight attendant, should I see the Deuce Bigelow movies? Just the first one. Okay.
1: The early he Second you're a fan of this- Deuce Bigelow's earlier, funnier work.
2: Yeah, <laughs> right. It kind of jumps the shark, but there's some. It's kind of. Uh, I know that director, and he really hated working on it, and hated Rob Schneider. <laughs> but the hate kind of makes the movie better somehow. Like it's a, it's just hate comedy. All um,
0: right. Uh, does does the Rob Schneider Schwarzenegger pairing in Judge Dredd like doesn't that is that does that work? Does that do anything? Isn't he the side, the, com- the comedic sidekick in a Judge Dredd movie? He is. Yeah, and he was
2: killed off, but then he com- he survives because test audiences went, "Oh, Rob Schneider dies." We didn't know this.
0: He's the dude in the spaghetti machine. Spaghetti machine, right? I I don't think I've seen it. I'm not going to know what that means.
1: At the end, right? No, no. Isn't he like in the food recycling thing, and he's like covered in spaghetti?
0: Oh yeah. Oh, Dingus think is thinking of Gummo.
1: No, my mistake. <laughs>
0: bathtub scene in gummo yeah that's a weird pull tom thank you kelly Wand.
1: i always thought
2: you would have said lady of the tramp but gummo going all in going all in
0: all right going. my number three favorite aquarium oh i didn't order these
2: Oops. oh oh well oh, that could take hours because there's three of them
0: well let me pick you know what i am going to choose uh Star Trek yeah i'll save that one for first okay my number three uh there's a there's an, an Oliver Megaton movie uh, called Colopiana <laughs> with Zoe Saldana. Oh, I
1: wanted to see that.
0: Is it um, good? Not really, but it's got it. It really does appreciate um, the value of Zoe Saldana, like in a really tight outfit, not yeah. wearing makeup that makes her green or blue or anything goofy like that. Like it's just pure like, Zoe Saldana. It's her natural color. It's her natural body. Uh, you know, she's not. She's just super thin, and so there's great, awesome scenes where she puts on some super skin-tight outfit, and she sneaks around to assassinate someone. Um, those bits are great, and there's even, by the way, an yeah. awesome, awesome bit where she's like alone in her apartment cleaning her gun, uh, sucking on a lollipop, and it's just oh. like super hot. Um, Not the other way around? And carry on, Don't be gross. Uh, and and she's just really good. Like, I really like her a lot. And so – but the movie gets a little too earnest. Um, but one of the assassinations uh, – and she's just avenging uh, this – like, her family was killed when she was a little girl. And so she's avenging all those uh, evil criminals. She's avenging her family's death by assassinating these evil criminals uh, who happen to be under the protection of the CIA now. Um, so one of the evil criminals is in a mansion that has – in a courtyard, and this is established in a scene before she gets there, it's a courtyard with a glass top over it, and underneath the glass is water, and these sharks are swimming around in it. For no reason, then, hey, it would be cool to have sharks in an aquarium underneath this courtyard. Mm-hmm. And we see the, the bad guy there, and he's got all these like hot women in bikinis, and he's like, hey, look at my cool sharks. Don't get any blood in the water, otherwise they're fine. Uh, <laughs> so... Then he is going to go back – the bad guy is going to go back in the bedroom and have sex with all these babes. Uh, and before he does it, because he knows that the other bad guys have been getting assassinated lately, he says to his main henchman, tonight I want extra security. So then we cut to a scene of a van pulling up and all these like you know extras with guns and body armor and stuff piling out of this van and taking up positions around his villa where he lives. So all we know, there's super extra security. How is Columbiana – how is Zoe Saldana going to get into this? And then we cut to a scene of this aquarium, and she's swimming in the aquarium with the sharks, like sneaking in that way. No word about like, hey, the aquarium is connected to a river outside or anything. We just see her swimming in the aquarium with the sharks, um, and she's clinging to the glass. So you imagine like if she's crawling on a glass table and you're underneath the glass table looking up. This is the opposite of that where she's like clinging to the glass at the top of the, the courtyard aquarium and the sharks are swimming around underneath her. Um, but there's no blood in the water, so she's okay. So she surreptitiously removes a glass panel from this aquarium and then she creeps out and it cuts to the bad guy in bed with all these like bimbos he's been having sex with. And he wakes up and he discovers that his, uh, his, his security is now dead everywhere. All of his henchmen are dead. They've been killed by Zoe Saldana. And he goes out – no, and then he goes out to where the aquarium is in the courtyard, and she leaves a flower, which is her signature – like her her little – the the calling card she leaves when she assassinates someone. And there's a flower sitting out there on the glass aquarium, and he walks out, and he picks it up, and he realizes that, uh, you know, hey, Zoe Saldana must be here. And sure enough, from the shadows, she says something to him like, I'm going to kill you or something like that. And he turns around, uh, and she shoots him in the leg, and – then shoots him, so he falls over backward where she's removed the panel, and he falls into the water. Oh, and he says something like, no, don't kill me, and she says, don't worry, I'm not going to kill you. That's when she shoots him in the leg. She shoots him again, so he falls over backwards into the shark tank, and the sharks attack him, and the sharks kill him. But just the fact that this, this aquarium, it's gratuitous, is there for no other reason than to get Zoe Saldana wet. Which well, is no, a, and then to kill him. And then to kill him, right, 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 right.
2: It's Chekhov's gun, bra?
0: Exactly, but with sharks. Um
2: Chekhov's Tooth.
0: And it also made me think. So as I was watching this... I uh, <laughs>
2: don't like, know why I said it like that, but... Come uh, on. I do like the way you said Chekhov's Tooth.
3: Tooth.
0: Yeah, Sorry, Tom. Teeth, please continue. Yeah. Uh, so I like, as far as like, exploitation movies go, they're so tame these days because the shots where the guy gets eaten by the shark, um, it's just like CG shadows, and they just swim underneath him, and they wiggle while they pump red into the water. Uh, and even... Even the stuff that's really acknowledging how incredibly hot Zoe Saldana is is a little tame. Like when she's sucking on a lollipop and cleaning the gun, super hot. But you know what? Show us more of that. You know she's a beautiful woman. There's, it's okay to have cheesecake in your exploitation movie. Don't just make it such a quick cut. You know, appreciate what you've got. Linger on it.
2: Um, Yeah, you're right. They don't, it's like, and then they'll dress her in like clinging outfits, but she won't, her, she won't just have less clothes on.
0: You know what though? I'm okay with less clothes. Like these outfits, these clinging outfits, she might as well be naked. And, and there is a real, and it's not lascivious by the way. Like, I think it's kind of as odd as this sounds, it's kind of respectful of, of like, it's not objectifying her because she's this hugely powerful character, Um It's just kind of appreciating. Right, exactly. And it's kind of appreciating how beautiful she is. Um, And those shots where she's slinking around, you know, there's plenty of that. But just where she's incredibly hot, just dressed in a normal outfit, sucking a lollipop, cleaning a gun, give us more of that. Like, that is super, super sexy. Uh, Taking her clothes off would be exploitative, but give us more lollipop. Well, like, I kind of agree with that, Kelly. Wong. Like, there's no reason for her to just be naked. Like, there's a scene where she's in the shower, and you can clearly see her breast, but it doesn't linger on it. You know, it's not hey, let's watch her taking a shower. There's something kind of skeevy about that. But let's watch a super hot chick. who's an assassin. <laughs> it's like a but she's an assassin. She's on her off time. She's enjoying a piece of candy. She's cleaning her gun. Um, I, I kind of I I don't think you need nudity to be sexy. And I
2: because I, she is the candy. She's the
1: piece.
0: She's eye candy, and and the thing is she's good in it. Like, there's a great – well, you know, see Columbia on it. You might enjoy
1: it. Well, you know, I would actually relate this to the Terminator movies um, because in the first Terminator movie, Arnold is flat out naked. I mean, when he's walking up to the Griffith Observatory, you see his – penis yeah. just right there he walks through you can uh, see him no you can see dance. him as he walks uh, through the shadows a, a couple times cuz it's swinging back and forth cuz he's walking It's in your face tom and he's a, he's this he's this super well built dude uh, in in one of the later movies that I watched this week i think it might be the third one uh what's right I think it's rise of the machines yeah. where he goes into this club and it's ladies night at the club and he walks in and this is when he's going to do the scene where he gets his, he gets the clothes and he looks at the bouncer and the bouncer do, is not a match but the the guy on stage doing the dancing is a match and so there's a little bit of a a weird sort of go away sucker it's a little bit of this weird sort of homophobic kind of weird thing a but what? but you see him walking in and all the women in uh, enjoying his body but in the in the first two movie, in the first movie, um, Michael Bean has an amazing body in that movie. I mean, he's got the, he's, his abs are, are totally cut, and because uh, he's been starving most of his life, I guess. Um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger looks amazing, and you actually get you actually get to see his penis like swinging there in the wind. And I don't know that that's necessarily along the lines of what you're talking about, but at least you get to see it, and I don't think it's gratuitous
0: right well that that again yeah, like that, that's earned like the the thing that I think sets colombiana apart is that it is kind of um I think it's kind of tapped into these earlier exploitation movies and exploitation Uh-oh. movies okay. they just have like gratuitous cheesecake, gratuitous violence, you know, a guy getting disembowelled by sharks, um they used to revel in it more and really show it, but I think that even though we can have violent movies, we can have nudity, I think even when people are doing something that would fit into the category of an exploitation movie because colombiana. It's a violent revenge movie. Uh. It's about this woman getting revenge, and classically, these were like grindhouse things. that would have a lot of violence and nudity. Um, I just think movies are shyer about being classic exploitation stuff. Um, Like even when they fit that mold like Columbiana does, they kind of pull back a little bit. And even though Columbiana has plenty of Zoe Saldana in a skin-tight outfit crawling around, it seems to be reluctant to just really linger on – super sexy sequences if they're not for some action bit.
2: Um, I think that's an American thing. I think, I think American movies –
0: Colombiana, though, I don't sure. think is, is American. Like Oliver Megaton is I – think, I think he's a French dude, and he does like the Transporter movies. Yeah. I think there's a lot of European money in Colombiana. Um, but but you're definitely right, Kelly Wand, is there is this reluctance to be too over-sexualized in a lot of American movies. Definitely, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. there live been timid times. Yeah, so. so we've
1: lived there for a long time. I mean, yeah. uh, the South Park movie made fun of that. I mean, you can you can do all the violence you want, but if you say a bad word or show a breast, watch out.
0: Yeah. Well, give, us, give us your third favorite uh, aquarium movie.
1: All right, my or third no, favorite frame. aquarium movie is very very uh, is the is the one I'm I'm kind of uh, a little bit embarrassed about, but I love it so much I can't inc- I can't not include it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, I tried to avoid. Uh, there were a couple movies that I wanted, that I thought of when I was doing this list. Uh, there was one in particular that I didn't see until I saw some of it this week. Um, but, but I tried to avoid movies that just sort of gratuitously show the destruction of aquariums. Uh, but unfortunately I did not I did not avoid that with this third one. This is a very obvious one and it was one of the first on my list and that is the Mission Impossible scene in the restaurant um with the aquarium. Mm-hmm. it's the aquarium restaurant in Prague where he where uh Ethan is sitting there with Henry Cherney's character, who I think is named Kittredge, um and he and he realizes he's being set up and he's, and I think his line is, this whole thing was about finding a mole and they're, they're sitting in this restaurant and he realizes, I have to escape this guy right now. And he takes out his magical piece of gum, which as long as you, as soon as you fold it over, it becomes an expl- explosive. He smashes it through a glass of ice water, uh, so that it becomes activated and sticks to the side of the aquarium. And this is a restaurant that they've, Constructed for this particular movie, it's not a real place, um, that has uh, Aquaria like, over the top, on the sides, and that's that famous moment where Ethan Hunt explodes the aquarium and runs out of the restaurant, and it blows up behind him, and then the fish all spill under the street out into Prague.
0: Oh, poor fish. I know, oh. I feel
1: bad about that. But that's the only—that's my only aquarium distru- destruction scene.
0: Yeah, generally in an action movie when there's an aquarium, it's so they can blow it up and have all the water yeah. spill
1: out. Or so somebody can shoot it. And yeah. So, yeah. Or somebody can fall into it and get eaten by something.
0: Mm, depends on what you're keeping in it.
1: Well, I—I I, you know one of the things that I i tried to – and it's fine that if you guys didn't do this, I tried to, to keep it like I, – I might have instead called this fish tanks, but you don't have to do that. I, I just went with a, a little bit wider so you can use aquariums. Because I was also aware of, you know, Jurassic World and whatnot, and that those are considered aquariums as well. Yep.
0: So, Kelly Wan, what's your second favorite aquarium from the movie?
2: My number two. I'm very excited about this for you, Tom. Um, mm. <laughs> I'll do a quote from it.
0: <clears throat> Look out! <laughs> mm. Look out. That Sounds familiar. Look I, feel out. Like I feel like I've heard that in a movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it sounds like something I've seen. Yeah, I don't know, so Kelly Watts Junior. saying it. Uh, so that's got to be Jaws three. Yeah, three D. You're doing the matrix theme for Jaws three D. Kellywan, yep. I think that's some cognitive dissonance going on there. Did you, Ryan, re- you just get a Jaws three D code, Tom? How did you do that? Well when he said Lou Gassett Jr.
1: Yeah. I had no idea he was even in that.
0: Yeah. Well explain wow. the scene for us, uh Kellywan, so Dingus knows
2: what's up. Okay. It takes place at Marine Land and Dennis Quaid works there and Bess Armstrong.
0: Really? For Bess Armstrong? Wow. Uh, yeah,
2: right. what? Are you crazy, Best Armstrong? Sure. Fucking bury that it, it, it.
0: I, have, I haven't seen Jaws. I, you know, I may not have seen Jaws three since it was in theaters. Actually.
1: Yeah, me neither. But Best you Armstrong. actually went to see Jaws three D in theaters.
0: Well, yeah, I was. Well, yeah. I, I was a dumb kid. I mean, who didn't, Dangus? What's the matter with you?
1: Yeah, Wait, why Jaws dinner, I remember reading is Roger Ebert's review, and he's like, 3D doesn't work when things are dark and murky, and all of this movie takes place underwater in darkness.
0: It doesn't matter. It's a Jaws movie, Dingus. What are you going to do, not go?
1: I'll go to see Jaws for The Revenge. You better believe it.
0: Kelly, I want to explain scene to Dingus, because Dingus can't be bothered to see Jaws movies. So.
1: I also don't
2: okay, like so it. for some reason, the Sharks are at Marineland now, and uh, Lou Gossett <laughs> Jr. is Jack Cousteau. And um, there's a part at the end where the shark's coming slowly towards the glass in 3D in slow motion, and then it breaks the glass. But they all see it like, oh, it's gonna, it's right. gonna break the glass. It's, like, it's,
0: it's pre uh, Deep Blue Sea, uh, you know, so it didn't rip it off from Deep Blue Sea. But you know, they're sitting in the control room or whatever, and the shark rams his way into the control room to get them. Yeah. So it breaks it's the glass, fake. and then
1: what happens? Does it grab? A, it eats Lougasset
0: Junior, doesn't it, Kelly Wand?
2: Yeah, it eats Lougasset Junior, and, it, and it, it, it eats the, eats the heck some out other. of him.
0: Yeah. How does so it does eat him if, if it gets to the glass? Well, the it, water he, pours in, and it floods the control room, and then oh. Lougasset Junior's in there, and sees fish food. Oh. By the way, it's not Lou Gossett Junior's first rodeo getting eaten by marine life. He gets his head chomped by a moray eel in the deep. Oof. Do you remember that, Kelly Wand?
2: No, but I remember an officer and a gentleman. A uh, lemur bites his foot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number two aquarium.
1: Yeah, My, my next, my next topic was going to be top three lemurs biting foots.
0: Yeah, lemur attacks. Foots. Uh, my, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, my number two aquarium is queers. hmm Yeah. My number two aquarium is in the movie uh, Made when Vince Vaughn. Before they're going to have this. Uh, Oh, this is great! (laughs) They're going to have this like showdown at the end, and Vince Vaughn's character is trying to convince John Favreau's character that they really need a gun for this. John Favreau is the more level-headed guy; doesn't want them to bring along a gun. And they're having this conversation, which is basically classic Vince Vaughn nattering uh, and John Favreau's exasperation. They're having this conversation because they're killing time before the the meeting uh, at an aquarium. They're having it in front of a penguin tank where you see the penguins swimming underwater and some of them are waddling around on the surface. It's one of those penguin tanks we can see underwater and over water. Uh, And the sound mix – and I'm sure Favreau, who directed it, did this intentionally. As Vince Vaughn is getting increasingly heated in his monologue about why they need guns, uh, Favreau, like, mixes the sound where you can increasingly hear the penguins, like, chirping, chirping and squawking and making noise – uh, and it kind of keeps pitch with uh, with Vince Vaughn's increasing uh, shrillness about bringing a gun. And in the background, you know, you see the penguins waddling and swimming around, uh, clearly like there because it draws your eye and it almost upstages Vince Vaughn. Uh, but I just love that that scene is shot in front of a penguin tank. Uh, and I love how distracting it is, intentionally so, and how it plays into Vince Vaughn's nattering. Um, so that's my second favorite aquarium, is the penguin tank in Maid. He should play the penguin. Well, he probably could in, a, like, a Happy Feet
2: movie.
0: <clears throat> Pingus and Taylor Kitsch. Second oh, favorite uh, uh, aquarium in a movie.
1: All right. Uh, my second favorite one is uh, – here's a quote from it. Uh, they meet in a fish shop in Fools Grey because Craig loved fish. Chopper. It's from a movie called Animal Kingdom. And, uh, there's a, there's this great... There's scene. no fish tanks in
0: Animal Kingdom.
1: There's a great scene where Craig, who is played by... Freshville. James Freshville. No, James Freshville is Jay. Uh,
0: uh, uh Solomon Stapleton.
1: Very good. Sullivan Stapleton, and the brother who is uh, hooked into the police and getting drugs from them so he can sell them. Craig sold a lot of drugs, and so he's meeting – he's in a meeting in this um,
0: – Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember this now.
1: In this fish shop, which which uh, Jay calls a fish shop, but, you know, is, as we know at a pet store <laughs> <laughs> or a, a place where you would, I, I don't know, buy a – Exotic fish, but when when I when I looked at the line and it said and I I watched the the scene again when he says fish shop I was like fish shops where you buy fish that you're gonna eat, but exactly yeah yeah. uh, but the but Craig loves fish apparently. And is this weird little detail about uh Sables' character where he loved to be in this in this place and he meets this detective or somebody from the police force who hands him over stuff from the ev- evidence locker that he's later going to sell and they're having a scene where this police guy is telling him, Look, Pope uh has to keep his head in right now. That's it, or he's gonna be off. He's got to stop doing what he's doing. But the, the wonderful thing about this shop is the way Jay, who is James Freshwell, you're right, uh, is looking at the fish. And, and he's he's such a weird character. I cannot get around, no matter how many times I watch Animal Kingdom, I cannot get around how weird a protagonist this guy is because his affect is just so hard to read. And there's these moments where he's, he sits in front of the fish tank, and he just looks at the fish, and he's just mesmerized immediately. And it's just like a couple of seconds, but he looks at the at these fish swimming around and he's just lost. And then the scene goes on and the police guy is saying, look, I can't do anything for you. Here's your shipment. Jay, uh, Jay goes and picks up whatever the, the guy's bag is. And then he gets, again, it's like a, a little kid who is mesmerized by a TV in a restaurant. He, he walks past a, another aquarium, and all of a sudden, Jay just gets frozen again, like a deer in the headlights. He's just like, wow, these fish moving around. But all the while, you get to hear some of this overlay of his voiceover uh, of him saying things like, they meet in a fish shop in, in Fullscribe because Craig loved fish. And I love that scene. I love that scene in, uh, in Animal Kingdom.
0: All right, Kelly Wan, what is the best aquarium in a movie?
2: My number one fish thing is a fish called Wanda because um, – uh, no reason, I guess.
0: Because you just saw fish in the title and thought, sure. Yeah. All right. My favorite aquarium <laughs> in a movie uh, – and this is why I thought – uh yeah, I, I, I almost thought Dingus should take this off the table, but he didn't, so I gotta pick it. Uh, a movie I talked about a couple of weeks ago called The Silent Partner with Elliot Gould and Christopher I almost that. It's a great aquarium, so the the deal is Elliot Gould collects fish. Um and I don't want to say too much because I think you should see it, but uh he has an aquarium and what happens with his aquarium is this great turning moment, turning point where the movie gets really mean spirited. And you were like, whoa, I didn't know it was going to do that. All right. Um, so the aquarium itself is nothing special. It's just his aquarium where he collects fish, where he keeps them. You see him early on in the movie, buy a special fish. Uh, he fantasizes – he's been
1: waiting for for weeks, he says.
0: No, 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 no. The fish he just – oh, right, right, right. But then later on in the movie, when someone asks him, what, you, what would you do with all this money? He says "You know, he would buy this one particular fish, um, which he doesn't buy because he's not spending the money yet. But he's clearly like really invested in this aquarium. And what happens to the aquarium, and specifically how the aquarium is used later in the movie, is a really great gruesome detail that I would hate to spoil for someone who hasn't seen it. Right.
1: I really, really wanted to watch that this week. Uh, th- this is why I didn't take it off the table, because I wanted to watch it and see if it would work for me. The reason, One of the reasons I chose this topic is that you had put this up in the frame thread, and I saw that, that aquarium, and it made me think of a bunch of other aquariums I've loved in movies. Uh, but all I could see was a few... Like, maybe the first 20 minutes of this, when he's talking about, like, buying the fish and how long he's waited for it. Right. Yeah.
0: All right, well, maybe you should see the rest of the movie and find out what happens, Dingus. Right. Yeah, that's my number one, too. Nope. Sorry, Kelly. Let's see. I have you down for Fish Called Wanda. You can't steal from my list. Yeah.
2: Well, I didn't want to say anything about it because I didn't want to spoil it, same as you.
0: Oh, I didn't spoil it, did I? I just uh, I just dropped a little intriguing teaser. Well, that's what I did. <laughs> Dingus, what is your favorite aquarium in a movie? <laughs>
1: All right, my favorite aquarium in a movie um, has a couple of aquariums in it, uh, and this uh, this is a movie. I hope you will be patient with me because I have not used this in a long time, even though I've used this movie many times. And uh, the uh, the quote from it would be: "Piranha are a tricky species."
0: Hmm. Orca, it's clearly, Rushmore or Midnight Run. You can you can clearly stop at Rushmore. Uh, oh, that's
1: a, so, uh, the, oh, right, right. The, the Aquaria, I don't know if that's the actual, I don't know if that would be the, uh, can you say aquariums or Aquaria? I don't know. Um, but when, uh, when Max first goes to see uh, the teacher that he's in love with, that he falls in love with, she's got this bank of aquariums in her room, and they have this great fish tank scene where he's going there to talk to her, and they're moving along the fish tanks, and she's feeding the fish one tank at a time, very carefully, very meticulously. And then they stop at one, and they're talking about something, and he decides, well, I'm going to help, and he starts feeding them, and then he drops the food thing into the fish tank, and she moves on, and he can't fish it out of there, so to speak. Uh, but then, I, I mean, I love all that scene, and then they they go and they look down at them, and she says, these were just born, they're clearly not. Based on what you're looking at the fish, but I love the way all of the scene is, is portrayed. But then this is augmented by the fact that what Max gets out of this is that he is going to then um, raise funds to make a, a huge aquarium at, at Rushmore Academy. He's going to dig up the baseball field and put in a, a fish tank with Barracudas and piranhas and all of these different fish, and he's he's going to do this just to woo this teacher. And this whole sequence where he's studying fish with his friend, and they're looking at videos of of Jacques Cousteau's adventures to try to figure out what fish they should get because they're going to make an aquarium to mirror what she wants because he thinks because she has all of these aquariums in her room that that would that will woo her. Uh, So that whole thing about Rushmore is my thing.
2: All right, Rushmore. Fish always look like they're saying woo, huh? Mm. They're a very
0: excitable species. Can I change my number one to meaning of life? Nope, nor can you change it to fish tank. That's right. All right, Dengus, what do listeners have for us? All
1: right, we have a bunch of listener submissions. Uh, Fred and Lynn wrote in. Uh, The first word they put in their email is nice. Tom, how would you say that word?
0: Nice! And I know I'd stand up in the theater and I would pump my fist.
1: You should, because there's an exclamation point after they said it.
0: Because that, when, for the listeners, just so the listeners know, that's what Dingus did in the Star Trek movie when the Enterprise rises up out of some clouds. He actually yelled out loud in the theater, because I saw it with him, Nice!
1: I think that's uh, an urban legend. I think somebody else said that, and I don't think that was Dingus. It's
2: true. Didn't he yell it when Jay Courtney got naked, too, in Terminator? <laughs>
1: uh, that would be a private moment. And Every I would- time prefer you to keep that private. Fred and Lynn submit the following. Number three, Lieutenant Frank Drevin tussles with Vincent Kahn Ludwig's $20,000 Japanese uh, fighting one. fish in the naked gun. With a pen. Uh, Fred and Lynn's number two, Mr. Spock swimming with Gracie the whale. That's a good one. Oh, that's... okay. And um, Fred and Lynn's number three, Ethan Hunt explodes restaurant aquarium with stick of gum in Mission Impossible. Thank you, Fred and Lynn. Next, we have Andrew. Andrew C. Uh, hi, guys. Uh, Diddum's on quarter three here. My favorite scene with an aquarium is from I'm going to get you, Sucker. <laughs> I don't remember that part. Having just completed a long stint in prison, Antonio Fargas steps out in his garish pimp suit, feather hat, and platform shoes. Each shoe has its own aquarium complete with living goldfish. He's immediately ridiculed by oh, yeah. a spy, loses his nerve, and begins to run, slipping and breaking one of his aquarium heels in the process. I always wondered if those fish were harmed during the making of the movie. My guess is probably. Thanks so much for the movie podcast. Thank you, Diddums.
0: Oh, wait. What Ken is, a is that? A client ate all those fish in Wanda. What is that? Riv- there, there's some movie where a woman has boots with goldfish in them, Kelly Wanda. sounds like something you would have seen. What is that? What am I thinking of? Uh, X-Men First Class.
1: Sounds like Boogie Nights. don't
0: know what it is. It does sound like something like, like – I do think it's like a porn star or something, and she's wearing these really elaborate boots with, with a goldfish aquarium in the heel. Clues. can't think of what it is. All right. Oh, well. Sorry. Cl- clicking for Mr. Goodbar. <laughs> Clute. <laughs> um, <laughs> next, we have
1: Paul Weimer. Hi, guys. I hope my 3 by 3 picks are not all wet this week. Number three. In Speed oh. Racer, one of the mob bosses' mooks – Trying to save the piranha tank from leaking after a bullet goes through it, plays the little Dutch boy with the dike, except the piranhas get <laughs> finger sashimi out of the deal. <laughs> Did
2: you follow all that, Tom? Well, I that, mean, yeah, I got about a third
1: a of that, yeah. That makes me think of that that I think I've talked about this before. The one of the I think the John Sales Piranha movie, there the trailer showed like a dad reaching into the water and just Like telling his kids, don't look, don't look, and just holding his hand in the water so that his kids. Well, blood comes out. Yeah. His name should be John Scales. (laughs) Number two, the Columnar Aquarium in Cohagen's office in Total Recall is an indication of his status and power, given that it would be shipped to Mars. It also shows his fulminating rage at having to give the order to kill his friend when he smashes the aquarium. This gives us a foreshadowing of his own fate at the end of the movie, as his goldfish suffocates on the floor. And number one, the aquarium in a fish called Wanda. Ha! Ah. Crucial to the plot, especially with the delightful scenes of Kevin Klein threatening the eponymous fish to get his partner to spill the beans. So that's from Paul. Beamer.
2: Get it? Spill.
1: Ah, Instead you. of Gill, the beans. All right next we have uh, Rob. Uh, I have been bringing – I have been binging on all the Quarter 3 movie podcasts in the last couple of months and now totally caught up to bring you my favorite aquarium in a movie, the aquarium in Fish Tank where Katie Jarvis lives with her mother and sister and sometimes Fassbender and occasionally a fish that gets eaten by a dog. No one remembers to fill in the fish tank with water during the movie. I know this is a dumb choice, but I just wanted to give a shout-out for a movie that was the first in a long line of great movie recommendations from a great movie podcast. Wanda awesome. Office for Life, Rob. Aww. A lot of love. A lot of love. Uh, next we have, um, wow, Colton. We have somebody named Colton. Awesome name. I wish I had it. Yeah. Colton Westrate, wow, man! I'll take both of those names. Damn, what a yeah. great name! All right, Colton, listeners have awesome names. All right, that's Colton, uh, an audible, oh, Jesus, an audible, nice, Tom, nice, escaped my lips when I heard the three by three for this week. My excitement, however, was not just because I am particularly fond of aquariums. It came mostly from the knowledge that I was going to submit my favorite nineties area. 90s era, sorry, Jackie Chan movie to the 3 by 3 We'll save the best for last, though. Number three, Mission Impossible. I knew the scene, but I had to look up the movie. Of course, the setup couldn't resist exploding fish tank trope, but uh, wouldn't we have been shocked if it had? Number two, the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I uh, swear that this movie not only was actually really good, but that it, Also, totally holds up. April's Aquarium is featured in a couple of scenes, but it's notable for being spared gratuitous destruction despite its proximity to so many ninjas. And finally, uh, Colton, number one, Jackie Chan's first strike. Mm. The underwater fighting sequences that happen in the shark tank at Underwater World are pure joy to watch. I'm particularly fond of how Jackie incapacitates a, an opponent by just barely cutting his thumbs, forcing him to suck on them to keep the sharks from smelling the blood. Then he flips, then he flip-kicks him in the face.
0: It's pretty clever when you think about it. Right? Did yeah. it flip, flipper, <laughs> flipper kick.
1: Keep doing what you're doing, Colton. Thank you, Colton. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we have uh, Jaime Cabrera, Aquarium. I only have two this week, tried for three, but nothing seemed to stand up in either of these in my mind. Um, number two, Mission Impossible, Ethan Hunt blows up the aquarium. Uh, number one, The Switch. This one is a little obscure, but in the scene I'm thinking, Jason Bateman takes his best friend's son to the aquarium a the changeup?
0: Is that the name of it? No, name? the switch is one where he uh, switches jars of semen that are going to be used to impregnate someone he's in love with. Um, what? Yep. Oh, all right, forget who the woman is in that. They have beautiful a little
1: In which, uh, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Freaky Sperm Day. Um, oh, it's have-
0: Jennifer Aniston. Oh my God, that's why I forgot. Yeah, so he's in love with Jennifer Aniston. She's going to get artificially inseminated, and then one night while he's drunk because he's in love with her but it's unrequited he doesn't say it while he's drunk he puts his own semen in the receptacle that's going to be used to inseminate her so she unwittingly has his son
2: inseminator
1: genesis they have a beautiful little scene in which Bateman talks about disappointment about birthdays and getting older and hypochondria the little boy can't remember if Bateman suspects it is his yet or not at this point in the movie says oh my god I have that it's almost a throwaway little scene, but it has such a nice little touch, such as both of them standing with their left leg on a low ledge and Bateman noticing. I just love the way the scene is shot. Even though they're in a public place, their proximity to the glass in front of them, and the lighting we get such an intimate moment between them. I know Dingus wanted to stay away from large aquariums, It's okay, honey. but I could not get the scene out of my mind, and it was for me. Far and away, the most interesting scene with an aquarium in movies. Thanks did you, all.
0: I did mean. you say that to stay away from large aquariums?
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of I, – no, I didn't I didn't okay. make that a requirement. I said that originally it's one of my little, like, I would have done this, but I'm not going to make that difficult oh, for great. anybody else kind of things. Because, you know, there's the large aquarium in Jurassic World, and I'm thinking, you know right. – you know, I'm thinking. I'm not thinking of Jurassic World or Rust and Bone or those kinds of things. I'm thinking of Fish Tanks, and I should have just said Fish Tanks. Um, anyway, thanks all, Jaime. P.S. Since you probably won't let me use this as a runner-up, my number three is going to be Home Alone. The aquarium that the tarantula is kept in. That's not an aquarium. That's a terrarium. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, I thought of the aquarium where the creatures are kept in Wrath of
0: Khan. I mean, those are still aquariums. They're not terrariums. Yeah.
1: But when you buy them in a, at a at a pet store, they're sold as aquariums.
0: Yeah, but what's in it makes it a treat. No, it doesn't. It, thing is, have water on it. Yeah. <laughs> <Talk> with water. <laughs> thing is, learn Latin.
1: Yeah. I will not learn Latin. Or Spanish. I will only speak it. Uh, I have two Latin words for you. Anyway, so next we have Joe. Anyway, thank you, Jaime. Um, and using uh, using the uh, large aquariums is no problem because I did not take that off the table. So next we have. We have Joey Brimhall. Oh, that's a good one, too. Hello, Love the Show, number one. Romeo plus Juliet, 1996. Yeah, thought about Um, it. What is that? I don't know what that is. They're on a date. (laughs) It's one of their dates. Oh, it's them looking at each other. Okay, okay. Uh, Baz Luhrmann has Leonardo DiCaprio and Clara Danes have a love at first sight moment through an aquarium. All right, good. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot that. Thanks, Joey. She's my favorite Terminator heroine. Yeah, I watched her in that. Rise of the Machines thing. See? it's a veterinarian. Uh, number two, Mission Impossible 1996. <laughs> to avoid arrest after being framed, Tom Cruise activates his explosive gum and throws it against the aquarium in the restaurant. And number three, <laughs> Finding Nemo 2003. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nemo spends his captivity in an Australian business. I didn't think about Finding Nemo. How stupid of me. All right, Joey, thank you. The ocean's not an Everything aquarium. Everything is in that aquarium. The movie is basically set in the aquarium and the ocean. It is? What a I was thinking of Shark Tale. Um, no, because they have to jump out of the aquarium to get into the... Yeah, that's great, Joey. Thank you. All right, okay, next we have Arthur Jelly. Uh, Number three, Finding Nemo. Thank you, Arthur. And, uh, his quote is, fish shouldn't be in tanks, it does things to them. The tank at the dentist's, complete with a bubbler and some interesting residents. Number two... Out of Sight Albert Brooks Fish Tank This houses fish and some other valuable items. You know, I was thinking of things that were hidden in fish tanks, and I couldn't think of any, and I don't remember what Arthur's talking about in Out of Sight. Um, Interesting. All right, You just made me want to watch Out of Sight again, Arthur. Thank you. And number one, Kelly, this one's for you, I think, Thunderball. I always get
2: that one mixed up with You Only Live Twice, because I think I get Japan mixed up with the bottom of the ocean.
1: Of course you do, wipe that. Uh, the shark pool that the villain has in his headquarters. A failed henchman gets fed to these sharks, and Bond must swim through the pool during an infiltration. Supposedly Connery was actually in the pool with real sharks, while protected by only a thin sheet of clear plastic that the sharks could easily swim through.
0: Wait a minute. Then that and means his, is a total ripoff then.
1: Yeah, that's what I was worried about, that would say when I once I once I started reading this I would read uh, that. so I said it
2: was for me and not you, Tom.
0: Well, Roger Moore is nearly as sexy as Zoe Saldana. I think was an all. That's agree. Connery. God. God. I mean, even Connery is not as sexy as Zoe Saldana. I'll go that far. To Octopussy sounds like it's at about an aquarium, but it's not.
1: I just thought the word thunderball would appear to uh, would appeal to Tony. Um. All right. Next we have uh, somebody named T.J. Keller. Uh, number two, 1996, Romeo plus Juliet. When Romeo and Juliet meet for the first time, it's opposite sides of the same large aquarium. I like how the aquarium is used as a decorative divider between the two washrooms, and what a show of wealth it is to have that tank that size. And that well stocked, used in such a non-traditional manner. And finally, uh, T.J. Keller's number one is 2003, Finding Nemo. The aquarium is the substitute for an island prison in this movie. Very well put. T.J., hey, I like that, um, with an actual volcano and natives with their own strange customs. In comparison to the scenes with Marlon and Dory, the aquarium not only feels strange, but also incredibly claustrophobic. On a side note, this is the only part of the movie that doesn't scare me. Uh, next, we have somebody named Dave Perkins. Uh, is there any other topic that would link Finding Nemo to natural-born killers? I can't think of But those are the two of our favorite aquariums and movies. Mickey and Mallory killing her father by drowning him in an aquarium. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I was thinking about that, about somebody gets drowned in a fish tank, and I couldn't find something. That's Rodney. So back to Dave and Michelle. Uh, Okay, it sprang to my mind immediately, probably because of the scene's laugh track and the shot of Rodney Dangerfield's buggy eyes regarding the fish and the environment of his death. Finding Nemo is sort of an obvious pick because the Aquarium was also central to them. Michelle and I have one more, but she's not with me, so I'll ask her later. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. <laughs> uh Chris Horn. Uh, Hello, quarter three movie podcast. Great topic. Number three, Rushmore. Placing this third because I figure everyone else has already said it, or at least... Okay. Well, you're right, Chris. One of us did. Uh, and besides, I can't decide whether the best aquarium in the movie is the one in Miss Cross's classroom or the putative, gigantic one Max commits to sermon to build that sends the movie to its climax. Thank you, Chris. Number two, Monty Python's Meaning of Life. Ah! I don't know what this is. All right. Ah. In the course of making a career of surreal absurdism, there's perhaps no more surreal and odd moment ever in the history of Python than the Find the Fish sequence here, with Graham Chapman dressed in a teddy and Terry Jones giving a freakishly long arms. Oh, okay, now I know. This has always been a favorite. What the hell inspired this bit in a movie ever? It ends with the aquarium and the faces of the pythons superimposed over goldfish where one makes the sage observation. They've not talked much about the meaning of life yet, have they? I don't know, uh, anyway. Uh, this is me now. I I don't remember any of this that Chris the Chris is really? talking. About.
2: it's the framing device. Yeah.
1: I don't. I I never was a fan of of meaning of Light, but that's only because it came at the wrong point in my life. So well, I'm glad Chris included it Yeah. I don't think it holds up, except for the vomit part. I think that part's still good. Um, is is that the one where they go? Where is the elusive fishy fish? Yeah, that's all what right. the party's talking about. That's with the long arms. All right, all right. Now I know what he's talking about. Okay. Right.
2: It looked like it was annoying to make, and I think that's why they don't like it. Like there
1: were a lot of annoying costumes that would be annoying to wear. And so Chris finally uh, concludes with number one, Dark City. Okay, it's really more of a fishbowl than an aquarium, but I love the way its fragility is used to make a statement about the true nature of the character of John Murdoch, as a gentle, tormented <laughs> soul.
2: Are you laughing because he says the name of the character? I was laughing because uh, I was thinking about the Team Murdoch. All
1: right. Plus, it lets director Alex Broyes do a neat riff on the Citizen Kane broken snow globe camera shot, too. Uh, snow snow Podcast, but you all knew that. Thank you, Chris. Um, and finally, we have Chris Marketson. <laughs> um, hey, guys. Patron saint. Number three The Skeleton qu- Twins. There are two aquariums in the Skeleton Twins, but I'm choosing the one at the end of the movie. There's just something I really like about that final scene with Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader just standing there looking at the aquarium and sharing a moment together. That's good. I like that, Chris. Um, Number two, maybe he's singing to that man. In Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, Spock goes for a little swim to mind meld with a whale. The look on Kirk's face when he notices his first officer through the aquarium glass always brings a smile to my face. Ow. And finally, Chris is number one: uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Uh, when Romeo and Juliet first lays, first lay eyes on one another, it's through the glass of an aquarium. I love how the camera shifts from DiCaprio's side of the aquarium to Claire Dane's side, and I'm guessing that they must have had a black light focused on the aquarium to bring out such vibrant, almost fluorescent colors in the fish. Take care, guys, Chris. And that's the last of our listener submissions.
0: Hmm.
1: So do you guys have any uh, oh, runners-up?
0: There's that bit in Life Aquatic where there's that uh, that killer whale. Is that in an aquarium or is that the open – isn't there a scene where Bill Murray or someone is talking and there's a killer whale just swimming behind him in the shot, kind of upstaging him, doing stuff like that? Like rolling around and mugging, basically. Isn't that life aquatic?
1: I don't remember. I remember them meeting the jaguar shark or whatever, but they're in the... That's
0: in the ocean. Yeah, I think this is a... Well, you know what? You're right. This wouldn't be, because it would be just their boat and looking out on the ocean. So, all right. I take it back.
1: Does abyss take place in an aquarium?
0: I'll tell you, an aquarium where there is a killer whale mugging for the camera... And isn't it We're the Millers where Ed Helms is like a crime boss? Yeah, wait. That's and he's good. got a big old aquarium with a killer whale in it for no reason. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I just like killer whales. I mean, he says something to that effect. And there's just a scene with him laying out the plot and the killer whale is just swimming around behind him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. That's my number one, actually.
0: Nope, I have you down for Fish Called Wanda. <laughs> <Like> Wanda. <laughs> um... That's apparently her favorite aquarium in a movie.
2: Is uh didn't Indiana Jones escape a nuclear bomb by jumping into an aquarium? No, that
1: was a terrarium. Um, mm, nice terrarium. If I were going to choose big like big aquariums with uh with uh, killer whales in it, I would have chose Rustin and Bone. Genesis. And I think Wrath of Khan. I think Tom. You have to be honest. Those little creatures are kept in aquariums.
0: That's clearly not an aquarium. That's a terrarium. They're
1: kept in ears, eh? Yeah. You're kept in ears. Based.
2: Oh, uh, in high school high, Tia Carrera <laughs> gets thrown into an aquarium. What? I think it's one of those scenes where John Lovitz is trying to beat up a bully or a rapist comically, and then he
1: keeps accidentally hurting Tia Carrera comically. Mm-hmm. She winds up in an aquarium. Uh the the really dumb destruction of an Aquarium 1 is in Lethal Weapon 2, um, uh, which I was thinking about as well, when he goes into the uh, the South African embassy, and, um, and he confronts the dudes, and to get away, he shoots this wall aquarium that explodes and flows into the room, and um, I forget what the name of the guy is who plays the main South African villain, uh, but he's like, pick them up in your hands. And then Mel Gibson runs away. And uh, Danny Glover, when he gets outside, Danny Glover's leading a, leaving a protest. And Mel Gibson, and he says, what have you been doing? You know, you know, shooting his fish. Yeah, shooting.
2: <laughs> Wait, that's good. Yeah, That's funny. Lethal Weapon 2 rules, doesn't it?
1: It really doesn't. I don't think, I think it holds that's the up. That's a good one. I, I want to actually order those movies because I, I have such a good race of Lethal Weapon 1. But I I don't think they hold up. I think wait. Watch number two and tell me if it holds up. Because I remember thinking that one was like amazing. Who's the what's the name of the main South African villain, dude? Damn it! Oh, I don't. And that that movie is so overbearingly like so overbearing about the whole apartheid.
0: Apartheid? I want to say his name is something like Joss Ackland. Is that right?
1: Oh, I think you're right. It's it is Joss. yeah, I think you're right. Maybe I don't know.
0: Diplomatic immunity. Wow, you made himself like Katherine Hepburn, Kelly Wand. He
1: did. That was awesome. Um, All right, so min- the minor aquarium scene is in X-Men First Class when Darwin sticks his head in the aquarium and develops uh, uh, guilds. Oh,
0: That's his only power, and then he dies.
1: And then wow. he dies, yes. <laughs> he adapts to survive, <laughs>
0: but then he doesn't. All right, go ahead, Tom. All right, so Kelly Wand, what is next week's 3 by 3 What do you got for us? Three best marriage proposals pretty sure we've done that. Dingus, can you conclude we, or not we've done that? <sighs> what did you say, Kelly, say, Marriage That's, proposals,
2: yeah. No, what did you just do? Where, 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 where? I think we did weddings, but we didn't do marriage proposals.
1: I think we actually did.
0: Alright. Let's assume we did it, then. So you didn't you didn't check when you came up with this? You just were hoping we could turn it. Well, it it wasn't on the
1: list. Yes, three favorite marriage proposals. uh, Tom chick uh, for the Captain America Winter Soldier podcast. Three best taglines. What do you mean? Like for the
2: movie, like what was on the poster?
1: So ones that we make up for the actual tagline that's on the poster.
2: Of uh, actual ones, unless you have a better one, because I play fast and loose with my three by threes. Three best taglines. Yeah, three best movie taglines from movie
1: posters, or Sweet from posters like, or from marketing. Just yeah, from like the actual posters. Because we've done movie posters before, but I you know. don't want the taglines because you've done Just you've the words line at the beginning of every show.
2: I'm not interested in the imagery. That part's boring to me.
1: Just the text part. So these are our favorite taglines, and if we want to do other things with that, that's okay with you?
0: Yeah. Taglines. Alright, carry on, go on
2: though, carry on. And, uh, but it can also be something like, if it's in the movie, but it feels like a tagline, like once upon a time in a galaxy far, far away, like if that, if you think that's a cool phrase, then that counts as a tagline. Cause I think the tagline for Star Wars was like, They were in the wrong place, but they were heroes or something, something like that. That might have been from the novel, actually. So, yeah, three best taglines.
0: How How can the listeners participate in this three-by-three?
2: They can write it to 3x3 at quarterto3.com and submit them to that address, and we'll read them on the Internet.
0: All right, and next week we will be seeing... Uh, Ant Man. So uh, join us for a discussion of Ant Man and a three by three about the best taglines of all time. Uh, I am Tom Chitt. I've been joined by Christian McClowski.
1: It's Christian Morowski.
0: And we also had with us Kelly Wand.
3: Nice to see you. La la.
2: Is that what's playing in the nightclub? In the oh, the La 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 la. Well, Dingus, I guess people who live in aquariums shouldn't throw gum.
1: <laughs> is is that a joke? Can he make jokes?